0: Support for Character Crusade comes from Audiobooks.com. Audiobooks make it possible to enjoy a story, learn something new, or find inspiration anytime, anywhere. And with more than 60,000 titles available, Audiobooks.com makes it easy and convenient. Simply set up your account and start downloading your favorite books to your mobile device. Right now you can start with a free 30-day trial and select the book of your choice to get started. Go to book.charactercrusade.com and start listening today.
1: Greetings, Crusaders. You're listening to Character Crusade Skyrim Roleplay Workshop. I'm Stu. And I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I guess I'm Dave. Wow. Welcome,
2: Dave. Dave. Oh, my God.
1: Who let this guy in here?
0: I don't know, but it's really getting crowded.
1: And he brought his own mic. I'm impressed. I bring my own mic everywhere. Ah, uh, yes, you heard it here first. Uh, we have a special guest in the studio tonight, Mr. Dave Cravens. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Welcome. Yep, to you on your own show. Oh, geez. that doesn't make any sense and whatsoever. There was much Thank you. you. I am so glad to be a part of this. Mostly. You know, <laughs> not not that I would tell anybody I was part of this, but still. I've told you, several people you're part of this. Oh, shit.
3: You kind of <laughs> tell everyone
1: you're part of it. Every, every couple time. Of weeks. Oh god. The secret's out.
3: Yeah, I know. Tube I've paid saw the tube, dude. Can't I get know. it back in. I have
1: been using my real name all this time. Oh. Oh, what a fool I am. Is I that, that what the Mondays the s- feel like? <laughs> <laughs> I think so.
0: <laughs> think yeah. of all the
1: stalkers. Well, <laughs> sh- I hadn't thought about that. Now, um, so the episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been great having you listen. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm moving to Saskatchewan. <laughs> okay. Um, you Don't just gave tell that away. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. No, it was a red herring. I'm Next not thing he's going to there. say,
0: he'll be right back. Mm. And then he's going to get murdered out there by somebody with a pitchfork.
1: Right. Right outside our palatial studio. <laughs> yes. So uh, tonight we have kind of a special episode. This is, um, I guess, technically, our, our first interview. Uh, and we have the, the good fortune of having Dave here in the studio with us, which is cool. We're going to talk about games. We're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about stories and characters like we always do. Uh, but Dave will give us some interesting perspective. Um, we'll get to uh, learn a little bit more about Dave and his background here shortly. But first, we have some announcements. Uh, is that not right, Matt? Matt?
0: It is which announcements would you like to start with today well Stu? let's let
1: 's start with the fact that we don 't have any shout outs.
0: I was really bummed about that, so yeah. we have uh, a growing number of subscribers on youtube and that 's fantastic, unexpected. however, despite the massive numbers of downloads <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, we haven't really seen the same number of people telling us how awesome we are on mm-hmm. iTunes, and for people who give those five star ratings, we like to tell the world about those awesome people, mm-hmm. and they haven't done that, so we can't tell the world how awesome our listeners are in the same way that we have oh, in the past. Such a shame! Such so a shame. I'd like to encourage more people to do that, and you know, uh, without having to get into some sort of barbershop quartet esque thing here, I think that <laughs> making sure that everyone realizes we want to tell the world about you in particular. Uh-huh. Go out to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a comment on iTunes, and that's how we get to know who you are.
1: Yeah, do you realize we have been stuck at 13 reviews now for about four weeks? That is ridiculous. It is, and we it's should have lot more. Yeah, we want to talk about you. We, we want to talk about you on this show. We want to say thank you. We want to give you a shout-out. It's super easy. Go to itunes.charactercrusade.com. That will take you straight to our iTunes page, and you can give us a quick rating and review. We would much appreciate it. It's a great way to help the podcast without opening your wallet. And we read every single one of the comments
0: in every format that it comes in. Correct.
1: Correct. So Go out
0: to I- now,
1: itunes.charactercrusade.com. <laughs> we do appreciate your support, folks. It's been really amazing. We are celebrating a little bit tonight because we, we eclipsed that 5,000 subscriber mark on the YouTube channel, Couch Warrior TV. And ticking up a that little bit amazing. more even as we speak. Yay. Yeah. Yep. Even as we speak. Even though we're not streaming. Even though Dave's on the show and we're, we're not streaming. Still, people know that something amazing is going on. Should I check and the numbers since Dave is here? Yeah. Maybe it went yep. down. Thanks, everybody, for all of your support. It's really amazing. Bring so, it on. Yep. Um, so we do have some kind of uh, cool things going on. Um, again, uh, we have uh, started a program of producing some special content for the Patreon network. Those of you who are giving through Patreon have access to some special content that is for Patreon only. And this week we launched our first YouTube Patreon exclusive video. Uh, that went up tonight, recording night. What is it, Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. Last time I checked, it was Wednesday. Yeah, it went up this <laughs> it is. week. It's not Wednesday in right.
2: Iceland. It, it may be Thursday by the time we finish, though. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. The, way
1: th- the, the way things are going right now, uh, yeah. I'm assuming that I'm going to fill a hard drive tonight.
3: With can, uh, can you tell us a little bit about it, or is it a surprise? Video?
1: Uh, yeah. Teaser? Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about it. Well, here, here's the deal. We are going to make these videos available to everyone through Couch Warrior TV, um, but we are going to post them privately for our Patreon network for a period of two weeks, and then they'll go public to everybody. So if you're interested in getting access to the video content um, early, you can become a Patreon subscriber at only $1 a month, and that'll get you access. But Rest assured, even if you're not contributing through Patreon, you will get access to the video within 14 days. So that's the plan. I don't know how many of these I'm going to produce, but the series, uh, the, the series is called the Skyrim Compendium, and it's going to cover a variety of different things. Sometimes it'll be character profiles and roleplay ideas. Sometimes it'll be uh, mod features and exclusives. The video I produced today... Is the walkthrough of Tundra Defense that I have been promising the last oh, couple very episodes? Cool. So I, I got to check that out then. Yeah, it's it's it, it turned out pretty pretty good. Um, it's done. You know, uh, live. I did not um, go back after and and put in the audio after the fact, like I normally do on my Let's Plays. I just fired up the microphone and started recording. And you get uh, a little bit of an introduction to Shalot. I talk a little bit about the customizations I've made to his gear and some of the stuff that I've built. Cool. And then we get to ride out there with and He gives us a tour of the entire outpost, and I talk a little bit about how the mod works, how things were built. You kind of get to see all the details, and then we wrap it up uh, with a raid. How long a is raids. this video? It's about 45 minutes in awesome. length. Nice. Yeah, so it's it's a nice chunk of content, and it gives you a really nice deep dive into how that mod works. Which and that mod has a lot going on. So, uh, feel free, you know, to subscribe. Uh, give us give us uh, give us a little help on Patreon. You can get access to that now. I'm still running around modless, by the way. Oh my
3: god! That's all right.
1: That's, That's all okay. That's all okay. Right. I, know, I,
2: know. I think there are groups for that.
0: There are. <laughs> These guys told me there was a cream for it, too. But. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, I told them we already uh, go. got one. <laughs> <laughs> you got to
2: start with just one.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty cool.
2: Um, and that's a buck a month?
1: Yeah. For for a dollar a month, you get access to all the exclusive Patreon content, and you help out the podcast at the same time. Yeah. All the money that uh, we make through Patreon goes right back into uh, the All expenses the in, the, in the production and stuff like that. Now, the other thing that uh, is important to mention is that uh, this quarter, we're going to really try to focus a bit more on audience engagement. Uh, Matt and I discussed this a little bit today. And uh, so we're making the announcement now that uh, within the next couple of weeks, we're going to be finally uh, rolling out a Facebook page that focuses On the podcast. So you can expect to see announcements about that coming out. What we have already done is we have enabled um, discussion and comment features on the website. Only in the blog having to do with the podcast. So now you'll be able to go to charactercrusade.com and actually leave comments directly associated with each episode we release there. So feel free to get in there and uh, engage in some conversation Um, you know, with us and other listeners. We do not intend to use the comment threads as a way to answer questions, however, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, character quandaries and roleplay quandaries and, and stuff like that. That stuff still has to come through the web form. So this is just about... You know, doing what we can to create more community around the podcast. So looking for Facebook, uh, that's going to come out in the next couple weeks. And then uh, we have already rolled out all the discussion tools, so you'll be seeing those. Now, the web form
0: is not in the blog area anymore. No, it is not. It's everywhere but the blog. So the blog's for posting discussion comment, feedback uh, to us, it's all got to come through the web form on every other page.
1: That's correct. So if you go to the website and you click on podcast, you'll get a whole rundown of every episode we've recorded up to this point. If you go into the details of the episode and look at the show notes, at the bottom of every page, there's a series of discussion tools there that you can use to to leave comments. So feel free to do that. Um, Let's see. Oh, upcoming episodes. This is kind of uh, the last in our chain of announcements was upcoming episodes. Um, in our next episode, we're going to be talking to Corey Merchant. For those of you who don't know who Corey is, Corey produced a, a wonderful podcast called Elder Lore Podcast. Um, many of you are familiar with it. I know that we've uh, discussed it on on Couch Warrior TV before in the comment threads. Um, it's turned into kind of the podcast source for Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah, if and you
3: if you haven't listened to it, yeah. you really you really should. I- yeah. I, I suggest going out and, and it's it's really great I'm super amped
1: yeah he he's really he really knows his stuff he's done a lot of research and he's got a lot of episodes out there so even though he's not producing new episodes yeah at there's the plenty, moment.
3: there's there's a lot there there's
1: a ton of content out there and that's one of those that I keep on my list and it, it's wonderful to use like you know if I'm driving to and from work and I've got a character idea and I need some po- supporting information or in, something about learn something about the lore that might have to do with an idea I have. I'll, you know, queue up his podcast and pick the episode I'm looking for. He's literally got information about there and just about everything you can imagine er, having to do with war. And
3: and actually, they're all really dense. I mean... Mm I've gone through them all, and I need to go back because there's a lot there that you just can't catch the first time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He does all the research for you, and then he presents it in in a really nice way with, you know, Mm -hmm. great music to set the mood and the whole thing. Yeah, looking forward to
3: talking to him about that.
1: Yep. So we're going to talk to Corey in the next episode. The episode after that is the Aaronis Arcana Let's Play Q&A episode, and uh, Joe is kind of you know, finalizing what the questions are yep. going to be.
3: Remember, you got till the end of the month, July thirty ah, first, to get okay. your your. That's your only a few
1: days, Joe. That means people
3: should comments. really go
0: quick. Holy crap! Get, I know
3: this month is really <coughs> cruising by.
0: Get your questions in
1: now. Questions, now. comments,
3: concerns, blah blah blah. Uh, if they're Arina arcana related, get them in so we can we can address them.
1: Well, the thing is, like, as soon as that deadline passes then i'm obligated to start doing the research i'm tired already <laughs> but yeah that will be fun start watching
0: i think there's 104 episodes so <clears throat> oh, you God. better jump back in
1: <laughs> yeah you know it's like i the the idea of going back and watching all of my own episodes is so daunting right now like i can't even handle how yet. much of it's in the wiki though well there's a quite a few things in the wiki but the wiki is um it, it, the, the wiki kind of hit or miss right yeah the the wiki has a lot of some of the bigger the larger critical details but I, th- I think a lot of the questions we've been getting have to do with um, items that aren't necessarily right. in yeah. the wiki. Oh, okay. and, and a lot it of it has to be. do with future state stuff as well, like what I had planned for Act 4 and everything. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. And so. that stuff I can just make up as I go along.
4: <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I've oh, got it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Back and when then, I was young, I was thinking about mm-hmm. this. No, okay, okay, okay yeah. Lucas.
1: Yeah, and then the aliens <laughs> would attack Whiterun. And, and <laughs> yes. I, I think you should
2: test people whether true or false. Of, <laughs> you know, just start making crap up about, you know, that never yes. happened in your episode. He's going to make a yeah. board game about it <laughs> and there you go. people are like, "No, that's wrong."
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the very first question I'm I'm planning to answer in that podcast will be uh, the question I get most often, which was around the whole, you know, what are you going to do about Linway? The whole Linway thing, right? Oh, yeah, like, mm. kept coming up over and over again. Well, uh, it was
3: such a strong, well, it was the initial driving force, right. so
1: well, it was, but, but then
3: everything changed.
1: well, yeah, it was the spark that started the story right and and if i it, it's like if. Who would want to watch a story where you basically snuff the spark? You know, in the first episode, that doesn't make any sense. So, but the longer I strung it out, you know, called it a revenge story, Seems and to he work wasn't getting his revenge, then <laughs> yeah, you know no what kidding. the hell? Yeah, it, it does work for them, doesn't it? Kill and, them all, as well yeah. as friends. <laughs> <Are> they, God. <laughs> Jesus. So,
3: look look forward to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Get, get them in by the end of the end of the month, July thirty first. Okay. That'd be two thousand fifteen. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Oh, no. I, I just want to make I'm, sure I just the want people to keep listening. talking over
5: you. People. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I like to put it over the top. You should hook up Stuart to a lie detector. Oh.
3: God, oh man. Man. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually, and just those. hooking
0: Stu up to a taser might be good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I bet there's yeah. an app for that.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. If if people, if 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 listeners out there, it's got a five star rating. There, there are <laughs> listeners out there who I know for a fact have listened through this thing seventeen times. That that is more time spent with my content than I spent with it making it. So, yeah. if they can punch holes that's in my amazing. answers, I'll be willing to be that tasered. That is amazing. Because I'll be tasered. And I wish I mean, those people gladly. would get out to the What Wiki. do you look
3: on average? What, uh, and you're talking to YouTube on yes. Darren. Is, I mean, that's what, on average, an hour and 20, hour and a half? Yeah. If
1: you average. That's dedicating all a episodes. large part of your yeah. life yeah. Just to The first episodes were around 30 more than to I'd 40 be minutes. To. <laughs> Good God.
0: How much time have we invested in this? Not as much as you did in producing all
3: those videos. Probably not. Got crazy. <laughs> But that's correct. It shows. Yes, the Any, love shows.
1: Anywho, so we got that episode coming Moving up. On. The episode after that, where we we've got uh, Jessa from the Jessa Channel lined up for an interview, Yay! which should be super fun. She, Jessa's she's, awesome. She is, a, she is a blast, and she's got probably the most unique role play style I've ever seen on a YouTube channel. So it, it should be super fun to what talk. What with YouTube her. channel? Agreed. is That that is the Jessa Channel on YouTube. <laughs> The Jessa Channel on YouTube. You're sounding a little bit like
0: a sportscaster now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, on, hey, 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 come on, you guys. Let's just stop. Let's keep focused. Okay, thank you. So bringing us back
1: that that brings our announcements to a conclusion. At least the things we care to (laughs) announce at this time. (laughs) Yes. Good lord.
0: But get those questions in. Get the
3: questions in. Get those
0: reviews in. If. if you have a fantastically interesting story, get that in. And if you're mm-hmm. a fantastically
1: interesting person we want to interview, <laughs> we'll be in touch. <laughs> exactly. Somehow we just know who to call to yes, schedule do. these fantastically <laughs> interesting interviews. Well, and we got people <laughs> like Dave <laughs> here uh, just showing uh-huh. up out of the blue. I mean. How? Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of forced him to do it, this. You, so. you did? Okay. You offended your guest. <laughs> It might have something (laughs) to do with the fact that you threw him into your car and drove him here. Yeah, and and made him bring all the drinks and everything. Wow. I'm hooked up to a taser. Yeah, he is. (laughs) You're not going anywhere.
3: (laughs) And quick complaining
1: about how tight the ropes are. Yes. We've we've electrified those jean shorts. (laughs) All all I need to do is give Joe the sign, and he throws the switch. (laughs) All right. Maybe that's what I want. Maybe it is. All right, so we've got an interview with Dave Cravens coming up next. Stick around. God, <laughs> welcome, Dave. Welcome to this show, Hi. this madness. Yeah. So uh, I've got a case of the Mondays. Do you really? No, I don't That's know.
0: That's crazy means. I'm because still it's to Wednesday. That out. Come in on Saturday. Yeah. And it, and you, it's
2: airing on Friday. Yeah. Case
3: of the Mondays. Have you seen Office Space?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go.
1: No. Oh, someone's golly. got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Sounds like someone's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> I'm going to punch that guy.
3: Hi, Michael Bolton. <laughs>
1: Uh, one of the greatest movies ever made, I think. True, really? oh, I love that movie. Love that True, movie. great storytelling. Oh, and for
0: crying out loud! <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel Joe here for a minute. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help keep focus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: God, what what has happened that Joe is the one reeling us in? <laughs> I, that's crazy. <laughs> We've gone so
0: far <laughs> off the reservation that Joe is last sewing us here. I know.
1: Oh, it well. makes me
3: even uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dave Cravens is joining us tonight. Let's let's talk to Dave, shall we? Since he's I think here, since he idea. he took the time to to come and visit us, we we mm. really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave.
2: Ah, uh, my name is Dave Cravens. Oh, interesting. I think you knew that. Got that. <laughs> I did Got that yes. part right. I did. I've been uh, the tattoo on your arms, says it?
5: Do you crevance?
2: I used to work with his art director named Farzad, who would always call me Crape Davins. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Davins. And I don't know
2: why, but that, that just stuck with me for uh, years. He's probably yeah. listening. He, probably, he loves our podcast. He, I think he he was comment number four. Oh, good. Hey, well, it's hey, hilarious. How are you doing? We got Crave Davins in here this week. Nice, nice job, Farzad. That, as far as that is hilarious. <laughs> um, well, all right, well, welcome. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my day job. I should yes. talk a little bit about my let's, day let's job. Let's talk What's about what? the day job. Talk about day the day job. job. So I've been working in video games since 1997, and I started with a uh, game company called Interplay. And then I moved over to a company called Sammy Studios, Mm -hmm. which has now become High Moon Studios. Okay. So I'm currently senior creative director there, and that's meant a lot of different things over the years, but currently... (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what exactly does that mean? mean? What does a senior creative director do? What it means now... Sounds pretty kind (laughs) of cool. ...is I'm in charge of their uh, fiction... I do a ton of writing. I do a ton of dialogue writing on our current projects, which I can't talk a whole lot about. But we Damn can talk it. about processes in general and, okay. and that, things. And That fits okay. in really well with what we're doing here. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, a smart guy. Well, I thought
0: he just well, nabbed, I I he right, just nabbed you off the street like the guy last week. <laughs> 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 yeah, pretty much
1: everything I do is dumb luck, really. Um, <laughs> you, you look like you'd be good. Emphasis on the dumb. So, <laughs> Okay, then, so creative director. Senior. See, oh, senior senior director. Come on, do get it right sorry. At the senior. Yeah, it's sorry. usually filed with a, Is there
2: more than one? I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 I'm just the no, senior. It's just me. Uh, it's a higher rung on the ladder you of, can look down Of all the creative directors <laughs> we <laughs> have,
1: I'm the senior. That's right. I'm, s- that. I'm senior to myself. Nice. I'm going to change the job description or the uh job title on my business card. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right now, I'm director of user experience. I want to be senior, senior you director. director. You should try senior senior director. Ooh, Let's my see where gosh. that gets. gets Brilliant. Out. Yeah, I love and it. The
0: problem is, is that after you go past senior, you get elder.
4: Oh
1: no.
2: Well, respect your it's elders. Not quite the same. Come on. What's yeah, that's wrong
0: true. With that? that's true. But after you oh, get right. past elder, elder, you get mage. Ooh. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs>
3: mage director.
1: <laughs> so you you uh, you're doing a lot of writing in this position now. Yes. Uh, a yeah. A lot of f- fiction stuff so uh i mean is it you is it like story design or is it strictly dialogue or are you working alone or with a team or how does that work
2: it it's uh it's a whole bunch of different stuff um i've i've done i've done story it depends on the project that we're that mm-hmm. we're working on, and we often partner with other studios okay. um and so you know story and games is is often such a collaboration between designers and writers and mm-hmm. studios and all that stuff. It's very rare that one person owns any of that. I think my job is to really kind of streamline it, make sure everybody understands what the story is, poke holes into it when it's not going the way that it should, and to mm-hmm. make sure that the story is represented well okay and so and then i i 'll do a ton of dialogue writing on top of that All right and,
0: You and, find uh, a lot
2: of revision over the
0: course of creation and poking holes through it how many How many times do you think that you go back and revise it and after the fact, maybe wish that you could have changed something, or do you feel really pretty close to it?
4: It,
2: it depends on the project. Um, you know, I think recently, on my most recent projects, we we revise a lot. You know, the, the bigger the budget, the more, you know, attention is paid to it, you know, from from everyone, and everyone gets their two cents in. Right. And then eventually just, I mean... You ship games, you never finish them. That's that's you know a line that we use all the time. It's it's I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, it's the same in any software development. You you yeah. you run out of time and budget, and you ship it, and you you have this quality bar that you want to hit. But you know, is there like a hundred thousand other things that you'd want to do with it? Yeah, always. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Cool. Well, I mean, I I think one of the things that that we're gonna get into a deeper discussion about um, later in in this podcast is. Some of the ways that we tell stories in game um you know and and how how the patterns that we see in the story are influenced by i don't know either either the studio we're talking about or the style of the game or you know the level of control the player has, things like that and right. so that's going to be extremely interesting i mean. I know that, um, y- you know, you're doing a lot of writing also in your personal life as well as your professional life yeah. uh, with a book and everything. Let's talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, the book's called The God Thought, and I I had the privilege of of being a beta reader for a portion of that. So I have a a, a general sense for kind of what's going on in the story. But maybe tell us a little bit about that to start, and let's, yeah. let's talk about the book a little bit.
2: Sure. The book is called um, The God Thought, and as you said, it's a science fiction thriller. Um, deer in the headlights. I'm shutting down. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember my own book. What happened? (laughs) No, I (laughs) said I would do that. I've written (laughs) it so many times. (laughs) I don't remember. No, I uh, I did. I did self-publish it and I rewrote it a ton of times. Mm. You talk about iteration and all that stuff. I had a, a test audience of probably 20 people so that I can make sure that the ideas are being communicated Properly mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and you were you were you were an early part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a science fiction novel. It's not a um, religious feel good therapy thing. As the name would suggest. <laughs> As, well, right. <laughs> I get some comments from people. They're like, oh, that's great. I'm like, that's, no, that's no. nothing like that. I thought it was maybe an affirmation story. Well, yeah. Oh my God. It's
3: like,
0: Smalley. Yeah.
3: it's like confusing the ministry with yeah, the ministry. that's true. that's
1: yeah. <laughs> a rude
2: awakening. Yeah. Some yeah. people do. Yeah.
3: No, that's mm. not.
2: Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> in fact, with the, just with the name, there was like a third of my test readers were like, don't call it this. People are going to really? get the wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, they were dead. Well, because huh. you know they're um, they're not terribly religious themselves, and they they thought it would be off putting. But I thought it was a great opportunity for for conversation. Okay, you know, uh, right. with people cool. like oh, like what's this? And you look at the imagery on the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to www.thegodthought.com and learn more about it. But the you've got is, some really good ratings online. Actually, oh yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's reviews. Exceptionally well, and I think that's that's a that's an testament to the test reading and the editing and and all the extra work that we put into it. Um, the challenges is, is getting, you know, that first uh, reader to you know to take a chance on a no name yeah. author like me. I can't use any of my game history to leverage, you know, anything right. like that. So I'm essentially starting from scratch. Yeah. So thanks for having a nobody on your show. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> uh, you're surrounded uh, by three of them. So
3: yes,
4: exactly.
2: Yeah. But but it does, um, you know, the comments and the feedback that I've gotten and, and the the reviews I've gotten have been have been very good. And so I think you know in the long run, hopefully that will.
3: And that off. is that it uh, looks like that is published and out for public. Oh, available yeah. on yeah, Amazon okay. and other and,
0: famous purveyors of
2: books, nice. oh, like Barnes and Noble.
3: <laughs> now. Mm. I wasn't Just trying to, to shill for Amazon. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, looking I mean, at it right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this this is not your first book you published prior to this. Yeah. I saw uh, And gallery. that was
2: how? Almost 20 years. Was it that long 20 ago? 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And that was... Um, I was thinking, like, maybe seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually... I've written several books in between. Oh, you have? Okay, okay. Yeah, but I've never uh,
3: published them. Okay, because you know, that still was, that that was going to be my question because stage. I knew there was a gap. I didn't realize it was that much, but, mm-hmm. um, and that mm-hmm. was Crusaders.
2: Yeah, Crusaders of Dying Breed, mm-hmm. which is a,
3: a completely different beast. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as it probably should be, considering, yeah. you know, the, the, the range. <laughs> yeah. um, but I guess the... The question or where I was going was with that big of a gap, how do you, what what inspired you to pick, pick, it, to, up to again? pick it up again? Yeah. I mean, I, you I, you a, said you've, you've kind of done some things in between, so you uh, haven't like, totally stopped, but right. I mean, why, why day, now? your day job and, <laughs> yeah. and life in general <laughs> has kind of halted it. And, well, yeah, I, so, think, what, I think
1: there's a lot of people yeah, what came up? who write. Yeah. yeah. Right? But there's there's something else going on when you feel inspired enough yeah, to really so go for it in public. Was it right? just kind oh, of a yeah. collection so.
3: of things that just all of a sudden sparked and came together, or did you just come across an idea? Or
2: that, that that's a, there's a lot of answers to that question. So let me let me start with one of them. Oh, I was so. going to say, let's hear some of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to Crusaders.
1: Um, Matt, can you make a spreadsheet, please? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, hang Yeah, these answers. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's,
2: let's plot way. some points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um ooh, a graph. Crusaders was uh you know, like, like you said, it was like twenty years ago since I did that, and I I was a kid. And my goal with that novel, like I'd written several, several through high school.
3: It was a fun. It was a fun read. It, it,
2: it's a. It is a fun read. It's not nearly as polished, which I, I'm really tempted to just go back and and
3: do that. Don't Lucas uh, it, man. Let it be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get to, that's, we get that's that's to see your point. evolution <laughs> as an author. When yeah.
2: Well, it's it's quite one. Yeah. Right? Acknowledge it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, but you know, for me. The goal was just to—I'd um, never finished a novel. I'd started like three in junior high and high school and all that stuff. Oh, and, cool. Okay. And I think to your point, you know, Stuart, a lot of a lot of writers out there write—they never finish, and oh, they or they like games. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> games or you know all sorts of projects. And for me, it was just this huge uh, psychological hurdle I had to get over. So what mm-hmm. I wound up doing was writing that book backwards. So Talk I started about that. Uh, oh, well, okay. I, I had you know. On previous books, I would, you know, uh, kind of fall out of love with my idea because you're looking at it. It's, you know, very common for the creative process. You start with something you're like, "Oh, this is going to be great," and then you work on it, work on it, work on it, and then you're like, "Oh my God, nobody, nobody's, nobody's going to care about this." <laughs> I've been writing it for a year. It's yeah. going to take that long to read it. And <laughs> you know, and and working in games, I I see that all the time. And oh it's, sure. And it's it's um, it's a tragedy, and it, but it's really just a mental thing that i think anyone has to get right get over so for me my method of doing that was like well how do i want this to end <laughs> and what's the big scene mm-hmm. and, and so i put a lot of energy into the ending and the working back from that okay um and then i actually started you know i knew how i wanted it to start so then i worked on the beginning okay. and then i just kind of filled stuff in between so i was um successful in the in the fact that i finished it Yay. Yeah, true yeah. Enough. <laughs> Um, it's got to
0: feel incredibly satisfying to finish it in that way, though, because yeah, that way you know it's ending the way that you want, and you've got the development hopefully that you want. Yeah, yeah, all the way up to it. So,
3: what were some of the challenges on keeping kind of continuity between start and finish? I mean, you got, I got all these great ideas, and mm. along the way, you which I'm sure you're why you had test readers leave a lot of and stuff brought on the all that part. in. To make sure all these plot points come together.
2: Well, for the first one, I'd, I didn't have any. I think that was part of my of Everyone will love it. I was of the mind. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. And if you're, I write it, they will come. Yeah, you're, you're young, you believe in your idea, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is great. And I would go to publishers with it, and I would make it actually fairly deep into the rounds. And they're like, well, we have no idea how to sell this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, really? Sucks. But you said you liked it. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, this would be a great third book. You should really try to write something more Traditional for a book. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Because it's such a mix of. Science so you're going to buy and a fantasy. trilogy from me, right? <laughs> so what you're saying? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't go that far, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but they, they suggested, like, well, why don't you write a <laughs> write a different book and make it more like all the other books out there <laughs> that we can sell? Yeah. Okay. By, I you was like everything else. Not we're interested publishing. in that. So I self published it, and that was at a time when the self publishing just least, kind of starting to break open, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was well, at least oh. the on demand publishing. Oh. So the the technology was brand new. Where, um you had a book on file, somebody ordered it, they would just print it within a day and ship it. Oh, um, right. And, and that cut down on huge costs and, mm-hmm. and risks for, yeah, well, you, know, I have you know, inventory publishers. overhead. And exactly, exactly. And that's part you know, that made it very scary for publishers to, you know, invest in unknown authors sure. and all that. So I'm like, oh, I'll do it myself. And, you know, damn, they, they were right. It was hard. <laughs> <to work again. laughs> damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so then over the next, you know, um, Twenty years. Twenty years. God,
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of stymied by yeah. that because mm-hmm. it well, just doesn't feel that long. Well, yeah. no,
2: it doesn't. And you know, I remember kind of helping you through yeah. some of your web stuff a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's right. You yeah, know. I did some writing for um, Fireside Stories. Yep, which <laughs> I actually turned into a book, that which I've never crazy. Published. I can't. That's so cool. Yeah, I think I still oh, have a Dizzleton
3: Hall days. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, still have a down. Down.
0: Do you really? Yeah. You burned a copy of it for me. Low those many. Ooh, retro. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
5: I got to find me an eight track player to put it on. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Anyone still run classic ASP? (laughs) I'm
2: feeling real old right about now.
3: God, it doesn't feel 20 years, but. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I so, turn cool. I turn 41
2: tomorrow. So I I know it's been What a young years. Years. No, no, person no, I, you are. Uh, wow. I, bol- <laughs>
3: I believe you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just look at you. So apart. Is, go that far is the god thought is the is it the god thought that's written in that way where you you had an outcome and you wrote backwards? No, no. Or no. that was the first book that you wrote that way. Uh, the, the Crusaders is this is where backwards. I wanted to end and here's the start and I'll fill yeah. in the middle yeah. okay. because and I that was just to do it. I don't think that that's an uncommon approach No, in I writing. Actually, it, I don't was, it was so for either. me, but, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I hope,
2: you know, I would I would imagine other people do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But then you get, you know, you get bogged down and you're bogged down. I've had a cool job for the last 20 years, so I can't complain. But, I mean, <laughs> you get busy bogged down that. in
3: my cool gaming yeah, job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. G-
2: games are, are crazy, but <laughs> but they're fun. But, you know, you get distracted and it takes oh, sure. uh, a lot of creative well, Especially
3: when you're your. senior director.
2: Well, se- senior creative.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh excuse me. <laughs> senior, senior.
2: We keep <laughs> messing senior. up this name. I He's know, not as title. Do friend. you have any <laughs> cards? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Joe would like you to sign it before. <laughs> right. Well,
3: so what... Yeah, no, go ahead, Stu.
1: I was going to say, um, maybe you can give us... Um, is it possible to give us a, a mostly spoiler-free synopsis of the God thought for yeah. those people who might be wondering if they're interested in in this read. That's a good idea. I should have done that out at the
2: outset. But the premise behind The God Thought is um, a farmer, right, one day just has this moment of incredible clarity. So, like, if you imagine every question you've ever had answered, every mystery you've ever known about solved. He just has this moment of enlightenment that's so powerful. Um, The legend calls it The God Thought because some people believe it's what God thought to birth our entire universe. Now, you would think this would be a good thing, um, you know, a miraculous thing for this this farmer. But as mm-hmm. it turns out, there's this unleash, unleashing of energy that kills 3,000 people in the town Ooh, that he's in and, and levels it. And uh, the news blames it on a um, fertilizer plant, not, not up to code. Yeah. So the main character of the book, Oliver Wells, uh, his wife and daughter are killed in what he thinks is a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And when the story starts, he's come back uh, after a year of uh, trying to find himself, really. I mean, he's depressed. he's His life has fallen apart and um, almost immediately getting off the plane. Left alone. Left, yeah, left alone. And uh, uh, he's accosted by this stranger who tells him of this farmer and their connection uh, of this explosion. And then before Oliver knows it, he's wrapped up in these... Um, you know, in this race to find the man who killed his family, and, and he's uh, discovering all these secret societies who are after what the farmer knows hmm. because they want that
3: power right, for themselves. The, right. yeah Gotcha. Wow. So that's the premise. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Nice. And uh, what's what's uh, what's the time? Or I mean, is there a period? Is it co- uh, like it, it, modern day? Yeah, or? it's modern day. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay. In the U.S. or or yeah yeah okay.
2: Kansas is is where the okay. explosion happens. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you you um the characters wind up traveling. All over the world. Oh, cool! Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Continent okay. jumping.
1: Well, I mean, one of the things, obviously, that that we're very, you know, focused on in this podcast is uh, discussions around character development. We talk a lot about character development in game, but one of the things that we try to do is apply real writing tools and concepts to the idea of creating a character in game that's more vivid, right? Um I'm interested to understand a bit more about your writing process. I mean when you're dreaming up a character like Oliver Wells, for mm-hmm. example, and the people that he relates to in the story or the people that he interacts with mm-hmm. in the story. How how do you how do you go about kind of not only thinking about how to put the character together but actually documenting Um, Oliver. Kind
3: of like building a persona.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I probably do it the wrong way. (laughs) Like, I don't just, (laughs) let's just hear your way, not (laughs) right or wrong (laughs) way. There we go. But like, for me, um, even before I start with the characters, I start with the premise or the concept of it. And I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, I mean, we're all searching for something in our lives, right? Some kind of truth or some kind of uh, answer to whatever it is, and it's different for everybody. And uh, you know, a couple years ago, I thought, well, you know, what if somebody just figured it out, do it, and, and and what what would that mean for that person? What would that mean for for everyone else, especially if um, it was a person you least expect. Like it wasn't the scholar, it wasn't this you know super brainiac person who was solving the riddle of life. It was just this nobody out in the middle of nowhere. Would you believe it happened? Would you mm. want to know that it happened? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it just uh, got, it conjured all sorts of interesting ideas. So I would, I would pitch that, you know, after uh, formulating it in my mind. And now and then I would pitch it to friends of mine who are brutally honest, you know, as mm-hmm. to like. And when I got, what I would get back is like, huh, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. And um, eventually I was just inspired enough to, you know what, I should, I should write this down. And, and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I kind of started with, well, well, who is this farmer? Where does he come from? And 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 what does that mean? And I honestly I didn't write anything down until I started writing the book. Really? And oh yeah. Um. And and that's part of the reason why I had a test audience because my initial idea was to not write it as a narrative at all. I wanted to see if people could piece together the story I had formulating in my mind through transcripts or Facebook postings hmm. or, oh, you know, yeah. social media and all that stuff. And if you read the book, it's a hybrid of the two. Okay. So it starts off with these, um, you know, my, my mother had, um, her mother had, uh, developed dementia. So she was going down to, um, Florida once a month to check up on her and all that stuff. And she would write back detailed emails as to their daily experience and all that stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, if anybody else read this, you would get an alarming amount of information
4: mm-hmm.
2: about our lives and, you know, just daily lives. And then, you know, you look on Facebook. I don't know what you guys post. But if anybody looks at your page, they can get an alarming amount of information as to who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. then you know, you do mm-hmm. need to be careful about that. But my idea was could i tell an entire an entire story just through that through Mm. the pieces through the pieces of it and then you know when you're reading this it's it's almost a voyeuristic approach but what are readers gleaming from it about these characters you know if if if, uh someone just writes a posting on facebook what do you know about that person but you know as to how they reacted and all that stuff so um yeah, it kind of just flowed That's from there. Cool. And I, I didn't mm. know if it was going to work, so mm-hmm. I started my test audience. And so I'd write five chapters at a time and say, all right, what are you getting from this and is this working? Right. And they they would, you know, overwhelmingly reply, oh, "This is inter- I don't know where it's going, but this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So keep going.
1: Well, that certainly um, provides you with some positive feedback on the concept for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That's interesting. So you're you're kind of you've got these ideas in your brain, but they're sort of coalescing as you write the book. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you know, and I, again, I write differently depending
2: on the project. But one thing that I like to do is mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if I have a, a a fairly good idea how the scene to go, I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take a, a shot at the chapter, and then. As the chapter is going along, I try to experience it as someone else who's never read it before. And so it's that, it's that first draft where I can surprise myself as mm-hmm. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. holy shit. You know, the uh-huh. character would do this. Uh-huh. And would it be more interesting if they did that? And, oh, man, that's fucked up, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry>. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Should I believe that? But uh, honestly, like one of, the, one of the best characters in the book, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, but some people have put it on the reviews, is the farmer's wife. Mm-hmm. who um was not originally part of my plan, but when I got to the certain section, I'm like, "Oh man, it would be so much more interesting mm-hmm. if this particular particular character was the wife, and what would that mean, and how would that change everything mm-hmm. and and it's um she's regarded as a as a
1: fantastic character you right, right. I think one of the things that is cool about uh and and particularly helpful when it comes to defining a character is thinking about the people that are around them. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to things like RPG games where we're talking about characters, we're thinking about the character from strictly that, the the character's perspective, perspective, right? right. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily, this was the thing that I found most powerful about Fleet story when I was coming up with Arinus Arcana. A
3: lot of his story revolved around the people around him.
1: It wasn't until I introduced other characters and we started seeing Fleet through the eyes of and other his characters that we really started to understand the mystery of who he was a bit right, more. They, like, right, because each of
3: them told a little bit different viewpoint, a little different story about right. him. And right. Imagined, right you know,
2: in, in writing. But, well, your, your friends, I mean, that's often the case, your friends and enemies define who you are, exactly. or at least how other people right. see you. So sometimes, you know, like you said, it got a lot more interesting when you started meeting the people around your central character. Right. I feel like that kind of interaction is is imperative. You mm-hmm. know, um, sometimes, you know, to your listeners, if you really want to get a sense of, of who you, the character you're establishing is, throw them in some kind of scene, some kind of context with somebody else and yeah. just, yeah. you know, is the... What is it about their interaction that's interesting mm-hmm. and different? And uh, you know, for for me, I do it a lot through a, a dialogue standpoint. Right. So you know, is it are they just interesting to listen to? You know, mm-hmm. kind of like you guys, you you bounce off each other. It's usually interesting.
4: <laughs> <laughs> You're being gracious. Oh, I, he, yeah. He is. No, but you know, it's it's that kind of interaction. It's it's right. a
2: much different. Um, mm-hmm. Beast, you know, and it, it's been done well, you know, where you just have the solitary character and you're just trying to get into the the mind of that uh, protagonist. Um, but it's uh, I, I find it a lot more in, enriching when you when you interact with others. When there's there.
0: no other social context, no yeah. other interaction, there's really very little opportunity for progression. Even through a story that's focused on one person, it's about interaction with people or things or places or even thoughts. Right? Yeah. I mean, you may be interacting with yourself, right? No, uh, whatever it may be. There's there's always some interplay there. Otherwise, it's just sort of staring into space. Well,
2: the the alternative is, um, you know, if you don't have that, if you don't have the opportunity with those other characters, what is that character doing? Right? That speaks volumes to mm-hmm. yourself or to others. You know, for for me, a lot of times when I'm writing characters or or telling a story, I'll start with um, what is the scene, right? And what is that, you know, that moment um, where people are asking, well, how how the hell did we get here? And then you you just kind of uh, evolve it from that point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you can't see it, you know, happening and if it's not interesting, you know, the interaction and all that stuff, then, then nobody... Nobody's going to care.
0: And I think that's a lot of what we've been talking about in some of the other episodes, though, too, because it's okay to change and have the story evolve with your thought process that's changing over time. Absolutely, You added this new character into your book maybe a little bit later on than some other people might have, but it became an interesting uh, twist or important plot line to the story. Uh, When there are questions about am I doing it right – you know, with a with a character profile or backstory, there really isn't a wrong.
2: Well, that that that's true. I think, but you can test. Like I, I think a a great character. If you're if you're working on a character, or your own character, and um, you know the game is throwing things at you left and right, when the character surprises you, or you have a reaction like, oh man, well here she's gonna have to do this, but you. Hate the fact that they're going to have to right. do it. Yeah. that's a good character because you're you're emotionally involved in it, and now you've recognized that that character to a degree has taken on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's you know that's the test. If you if you hit that point in your in your creation or your creativity or your story or whatever, that's a really good sign. And and hopefully, other people can mm-hmm. you know identify with that
1: as well when they're watching your character or or experiencing your character right right one of the things that strikes me is I, i think when i think about my own progression in terms of you know story and character development over the years um i i think early on i had sort of an unsophisticated idea of what character was for me it was a set of attributes right um so you know what do they look like, uh, you, know, y- you know, that kind of thing, where mm-hmm. are they from, that, those Very kinds static. of superficial things. Yeah, right. And so when I, when I used to think about things like character background, I would write a character background that would be pretty generic you know i mean this is is bill and he's from this country and he likes to fight in this style and he carries these weapons and you know it it doesn't you know and his family was such and so but now as as i'm getting older and i've i've had a chance to absorb a lot of really good stories and stuff like that um i think of character background and development in a very different way than i used to and I think we, we talk about that on this podcast from time to time, this concept of creating backgrounds through vignettes. And it's actually what, exactly what you're talking about. I picture in my mind a series of scenes, very specific scenes, and I imagine the dialogue between my character and someone else. Mm-hmm. And that, that's me sort of going through this mental exercise of trying to understand the character it, it is that I'm creating and that I'm documenting through the eyes of someone else. And I think for me that that's been a very powerful thing. But I think it's also I, I think it's it's a sign of of kind of maturing a little bit in in my view of of what constitutes a character.
3: Well, I'm actually I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of the, one of the first things I had thought of when when you're kind of explaining, mm-hmm. you know, the process of kind of how you're building these characters and almost like little bite sized pieces was you know your your concept of doing these little vignettes and mm-hmm. you know this little part affects this and then yeah. this little affects that and mm-hmm. you know all these little pieces come together and, and really build the whole right. and yeah. uh, affect and I think s- some of the harder parts is really abstracting and putting yourself outside the character and viewing mm-hmm this character you're trying to develop from a different set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think, you know, a good solution for
2: that is to expose that character to to other people. You know, write something down about Mm -hmm. it or write a situation that that, you know, there's nothing like Mm -hmm. it depends on what your your goal is I guess as a writer. A lot of people just write for themselves. I would imagine a lot of your audience you know, they they want these tools for their own creations and maybe they Mm -hmm. don't show anybody but they just want to enrich their own Story exactly, yeah. um, but you know that. if you're if you're looking to you know to put it out there, uh, show it mm-hmm. to people. Don't be shy about it, and just uh, have them to react, mm-hmm. and they'll give you an honest, you know, mm-hmm. uh, assessment that's as to point. oh you know that's interesting or no that's a terrible name, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it sounds an awful lot like
0: creating the characters. Uh, I'm like analogy man, right? So as all of these series of puzzle pieces. And you only really find out where they fit when you've created the corresponding puzzle piece.
2: Yeah, and and that's a good, you know, I I kind of like building stories that way too. You know, if you create a, a, a situation that's interesting with characters that you don't know, I mean, like, what do you know about this particular character? I'm, I'm only presenting so much. And actually, a, a lot of, uh, a big theme in my book is only presenting so much information so that I want the reader to... You know, extrapolate like oh, and wonder well, what you know. What is this person's motivation? Well, he did this and he did that. What does that mean? And he's reacted this way. And um, some of my, I think I found a good balance of that because I think readers, in particular, expect to just get into the mind of the characters automatically. Mm, right. And I know some of my readers were a little frustrated on early drafts. They're like, "Well, I just want to know what he's thinking." <laughs> but I'm like, "I don't want you to know what he's thinking. I want you to wonder what he's thinking." So you know, it, it was it was. It's striking this right, balance right. of, but if, you know, if I'm writing that, I'm I'm wondering, well, why is he doing this? You know, and, and that's interesting. And then, you know, coming up with possibilities as, as to why and then the character just uh, establishes over time. And then I'll go back and start fortifying the character with, you know, traits that I think are well established, you know, mm-hmm. later in the book. It feels
0: mm-hmm. like quite a different progression than you would typically get in a game playthrough because yeah. you have to be very directive about what's happening with a character in most cases where you're presenting yeah, it depends a on the situation game. true true but i mean if, if depending on the types of games that you play or how complicated the character development can be for uh for the gamer uh if the storyline is so tightly crafted that you don't have a right. lot of wiggle room to create uh that frustrates a lot of folks yeah if there's too much room then again that could be frustrating to a totally different group of users i don't know if you guys are players i don't know if you've found it the same way but uh, being able to develop a character in a book feels like it would be a different uh development path maybe maybe i'm wrong uh,
2: yeah i think you're it depends on the kind of game that you're making and again with the with the book again uh i wanted people to wonder about these characters Mm -hmm. and and wonder about where it was going so i tried I, i literally tried to do it differently With games, you know, one thing that we always want the player to experience, at least from my perspective, is they want to be a part of the story more often than not. And they want to feel clever and they want to feel smart for discovering X, Y, or Z. And so it's not so much hitting them over the head with the story. It's about, oh, there's a shiny object over there that grabs my attention. Uh, I want to go find out about it. You know, and yep. then something happens. You know, and you're you're leading the character to discover things on their own. It's uh, a nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, not every game does uh, it. Some yeah. some games you're you're literally on rails, and no one. You know, the players don't want to think about it. They just want to. I'm watching a James Bond movie, or 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 what have you. But years ago, there was a great analogy. Uh, I used to work in video, and this guy would talk about from a video perspective, or just you know from image composition. Uh, magicians and magicians are always directing and focusing your attention on one thing while they are distracting you from the trick that they're doing and when you apply that i think to stories and to videos or anything you know that's a really powerful tool and i th- i think great mysteries are written like that because mm-hmm. you're like oh look you know look over here and and you want the the character or the the readers or the player or whatever to feel all right i, th- I think i've got this and and then you know, you, you yank out the rug from underneath them in a, in a fun way. Yeah. yeah, right. But you know, there's becomes but it becomes
0: a revelation. Yeah. for the person yeah. experiencing it, exactly. rather than oh, I totally yeah. knew this was coming.
2: Right, right. You know. But sometimes you you want to know that it's coming. Yeah. Right. You got to give them enough mm-hmm. wins.
1: Well, it's a fine line, right? It's a fine line because there's there's a balancing act, right, between. What is an element of a story that creates the right type of surprise or the right type of conflict versus what is just kind of a gratuitous twist (laughs) that's meant to slap people in the face for no other reason than to say that... Oh, see, you didn't guess what I was trying to do, right? I, I think so, it's, I
2: think it's the intention of of mm-hmm. whoever's creating the story. Like, if mm-hmm. if your intention is to just make everyone feel like a total right. dumbass for not seeing that coming, <laughs> yeah, then no one's gonna enjoy that. Yeah, right? I think <laughs> but, we've all
1: I think we've all experienced movies where there was some kind of a ridiculous twist yeah, that yeah. was just it, it didn't make any sense to the story. Yeah. It didn't add anything to the story. It was just somebody saying "fool you," you know. Yeah. And, you you know i hate that kind of stuff like i've
2: worked with programmers who and, and some designers in the in the distance past who um their goal is just to beat the crap out of the player Mm. And they're like, well, and, and you can design AI to beat the crap out of the player, but you know,
1: you know, don't. <laughs> no one's going to play your game. But right. they felt
2: good about it, like, mm-hmm.
1: ah, no one could beat this. That's well, what no. I felt like playing yeah. Frogger. Don't, don't, it seems to me like they're sort of um, losing their grasp on what the intent is in the, in the first place, right. which it's, is to make the player feel like the hero in and, a lot of cases. And if cases, there's no
0: anticipation ways. that you can succeed,
2: you won't keep trying for very long right and right. Th- these were generally low-level guys who who understood one the one piece of the puzzle that they were working on right? and those mm-hmm.
3: developers should be forced to play their own games <laughs> day in. And, 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 day well. and that's the
2: thing but you know you program it you know the ins and outs They're like, see it's easy yeah, well, yeah. so yeah, it's it sense. becomes that's as power- I, I yeah. don't know that a lot of them are still working in games so <laughs> <laughs> no they've yeah. all okay. turned into corporate project managers. <laughs> oh god <laughs>
1: that's the truth <laughs> Well, that, that's, I, I love that, that idea. So this particular book, is, is most of the story, are we seeing most of the story through Oliver's perspective? Or, or do we jump between characters? You, you, or what you, sort of perspective are we talking
2: you, about? You jump, between, um, you jump between characters, certainly, okay. and then you jump between um, uh, transcripts and all that stuff. So right. it's a great, there's a good, um, there's a very carefully cra- crafted flow Mm-hmm. to all of that. So, you know, um, it may, you may wonder if it's disjointed at first, mm-hmm. but it's just connected enough where you where you keep going and then mm-hmm. once you get the rhythm of it, right? Um, people, people dig it pretty good.
1: Well, you were talking earlier about um, telling the story through things like um, transcripts and, you know, social media posts and stuff. You were talking about the voyeuristic quality of that. Yeah. And I know that when when I was reading, you know, uh, early versions, um, that particular aspect of it for me was really, I found it to be really chilling. Like, yeah. th- there was something about it that was um, impersonal. I think it was the the detached nature of it that really made it feel spooky to me. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but this this idea that what I was getting. Was this sort of um, abstract narrative through all of these different posts and, like, the experience of seeing a conversation, for example, going on in a Facebook thread or something and then just having it stop, you know, or something and nobody being able to explain where the individual went and why they weren't responding anymore and when had anybody seen them last and all this, you know, like, for me that was... There was something about the quality of that that I thought was really interesting. And you describing it as voyeuristic, I think um, I hadn't thought about that before. For me, it was sort of this detached quality. But when you pile on top of that, this, this idea that it kind of seems wrong in some way, like you're looking into someone's stuff you shouldn't be. Right. Uh, that, for me, created a really unusual feeling when I was reading it. Yeah, they um, sounded
0: like you were really sort of uncomfortably anxious. I don't know if I am Well,
1: yeah it, that right. it kind of it, yeah, it kind of was. It kind of was. that and that, and that whole first part was like that and, right? and that.
2: and that was that was the design, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pleased to hear that that's that's how it went down. So you're you're
1: pleased to hear that I felt awful and uncomfortable yes. and, and <laughs> Yeah. But in a good way. But winning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not but, in an entirely negative way. I yeah. often
3: strive to make Stuart as uncomfortable as I can, but... Yeah. You know, so, hats off to you. <laughs> yeah.
1: He does.
2: You know, one of the first um, novels I ever read from that kind of perspective was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for me, oh, yeah. as a kid reading that, you know, I mean, it was all journal entries. and mm-hmm. uh, Oh,
3: well, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: and yeah. letters and, yeah, you know, yeah. to each other yeah. and all that stuff, and, and it was such a powerful... Uh, it felt real to me. Mm-hmm. It made, you know, the danger more real. I felt like I was getting a really intimate look into these characters. And, um, mm-hmm. you, know, and, and today, you know, today's journals are emails and mm-hmm. Facebook postings and enough. newspaper yeah. clippings. And, you know, everyone is, everyone is obsessed with being their own star right. on Facebook. <laughs> we, we didn't even think of it. But everybody's only yeah. learning from clippings. There's
0: no real yeah. context. Right.
2: Yeah, but you but you provide that yourself, right? right. You know, everyone has an opinion about something, <laughs> correctly <right>? or incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's and that and I play with that quite a bit. That's another. Sure. I was a journalism major in in college, and I look at the media today and the news today, and I'm like, holy shit, it doesn't feel like journalism. It, it, well, <laughs> <as> a, no, because <laughs> it, it's not. <laughs> right? You know, and it's uh, sound bites.
0: I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. The, everything on the internet is completely unbiased, very well researched absolutely verify everything right. i've read
3: is yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: but you don't even need the i mean just look on you know tv oh it's uh, same thing uh, listen, just it's, yeah. and it's yeah. and nobody um there's there's a huge generation there are new generations that don't understand the um perspectives that they're getting that they that they are perspectives that it's not news they're they're being yeah, fed. That's a point of view distinction from from one you know side mm-hmm. or the other, and um, and that's a theme that comes up a lot. That's part that's part of the other reason that, that the transcripts are in there because I think you can read them, and the idea was you can interpret them any number of which you know did this really happen or you know was it this mm-hmm, or right. was it that, and uh, I, I, I like I play yeah. with that
1: a lot. In a way, it's sort of pointing out something that we all need to think about from time to time. And learn to maybe do better. You know, it's it's very easy to get caught up in this idea that, you know, um, I've decided that for me, this is a trusted news source, and therefore everything I read in there is news. Right. Right. And the vast majority of it is not. Well, and it's perspectives. And that's,
0: I love the word that you chose there because it's hard to escape the biased opinionated Mm -hmm. approach that comes from just a perspective Mm
2: -hmm. well and there's not even on top of the perspectives a lot of the information like say um the newtown shootings go back a couple Mm -hmm. years to that all the information that came out the the initial two to three days about that a lot of it was wrong and it was just people speculating well we think this and we think that and it wasn't until about two weeks later that they really sorted out what was going on and who was involved? And Everybody
0: wanted stuff. to have a story. Yeah, but and so nobody
2: listens two weeks later. You know, they all go with the initial whatever it was, right? As to well, right, that well yeah, story. that's
3: that's the problem because it's presented as if it as, were as news, true,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And and you again, know, undeniably, and, and you know, everyone's racing to each other trying to get that story out there first. Right. Um,
0: but well, it, it yeah, happens that's in a way, way, way too often. That, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's we're, a, we're having uh, a very a existential journalism conversation right Can now.
1: Well, <laughs> you think about it, though. It's it's the natural progression of things, right. right? There used to be a time when you had three major networks who basically all had 30 minutes to give you the news of everything that had happened since the last time they gave you the news, right. which was generally 24 hours before. And 30 minutes and and now we're we're on a twenty four hour a day news cycle with multiple channels, and they're running out of crap to tell us, so they're starting to make things up. Well, you know,
2: and and there's that. And go back to the the thirty minute deal with three networks. Mm-hmm. You got thirty minutes of news stories. What what didn't you hear about? Mm-hmm. Right. Y- and what yeah, were you the heard about it at never made this news? morning. Right? And yeah. and why did those stories make the news? And it, and mm-hmm. it's you know there are business reasons or political reasons, whichever. Yeah. Now to your point, it's it's just a ton of crap out there, but it's yeah. it's it's crap that sells advertising. Yeah. Right. So that's how you have the Kardashians as you and know it, a number one hit show on you know. There's no news amongst there, many. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's just it's it's just sensational yeah. and like I can't believe they did that. But and, it, yeah, but you know, to look at that right you you
0: and to think about the fact that over the course of a day, not only can you have n- real news happen in the morning. But by midday and afternoon you've already got parodies. Yeah. You've already got oh, yeah. fake news. <laughs> you've yeah, already yeah. got someone who's created <laughs> memes about it. Yep. You can't you can't stop it. And trying to filter out what was real journalism yeah. versus storytelling about right. what we knew at the time. Well it's very, very different when you have to wait for that one second where they issue a retraction right. Right, that's never remembered.
2: Yeah, and nobody remembers. And, yeah. and the, the rule is there, there is it. no real journalism. So. Yeah, we, we forgot that that <laughs> happened in
0: Alaska. It actually happened in the Ukraine. Yeah. Are we
1: saying yeah. that there never was journalism or that it's officially dead and, and died at some point? I, f- I feel like
2: it's it's if it's not dead already, it's dying. In the it's, throat. It's, it's yeah. on the table and you're trying to revive it. No, no no one is trying to revive it with battles. They've just... Journalism been, wow. takes...
0: Journalism Takes a long time. Blogging and everything else allows you yeah. instantaneous publishing of a perspective.
2: Yes, and, yeah. and that's okay as long as
3: you understand it's a perspective. I love this right. perspective. Have you ever seen Ratatouille? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. That <laughs> was the first movie I ever took with, my, my daughter to. Oh, where yeah. are you going with this? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going oh, with it, let's it was see where his, it the goes. food critic. Oh, <laughs> oh film. yes. When he oh, right. orders his meal, yeah. I'll have perspective yeah (laughs) fresh out i presume Uh (laughs) well then i'll have the whatever wine and i'll provide you the perspective perspective. yeah (laughs)
2: now there there's a company that they do great character development Mm -hmm. in the stories how i brought us back
0: and they take but they take years developing the stories and developing the characters and finding the right audience for those characters oh yeah and you know invariably in those films you find yourself somewhere in one of those characters yeah oh for sure yeah and yeah. you come out of half of them as a parent weeping or as a child screaming with glee or some of the above <laughs> in, in all cases. And they do yeah. a remarkable job of telling the story for every single oh, yeah. person who's in that audience. My, my yeah.
3: wife will still sob with The Iron Giant at the end.
1: Oh, gosh. I yeah, I haven't seen The Iron I Iron love Giant. that one. I, it's like it's last a really, I'm it's glad a really you said show.
2: that because I can admit now that I haven't seen it. I've heard it. it's great. <laughs> <correct. laughs> it is a good movie. We own It, it. is good. You but own it, it, okay? That's worse than you know. We own a lot I, of I things that own. I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
1: Oh God, that that's not that's not a rabbit hole I want to go down, Matt.
0: <laughs> There's only so many Congeniality movies I can watch.
1: Oh. Why? why do you keep calling him Matt? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Someone's got to. It's uh, the naked
0: Nord
5: to you.
1: Yes, the naked Nord. Um, well, I I guess as far as the book goes um it's available now but are you you're working on another another one right yeah uh, I'm a follow-up work, i'm to this, working right? on, on a follow-up to
2: this yeah okay. the story was way too big to um to fit mm-hmm. and this one thing i had i had so many ideas right what and do you mean you uh,
0: have 455 pages in this? i
2: know one. and it's still and it it goes by if you read it it goes by pretty quick um but was yeah. the
1: was the plan to tell more story all along, or did it just kind of happen that way?
2: My, no, my original plan was to to end this book a certain way, and I got you know halfway through it, I'm like,
4: I think that, that would huh? do it a
2: I'd well, do it a disservice. I mm, thought sure. Um, so there there will be. A, There'll, for these characters there'll be at least one more mm-hmm. <laughs> well
1: cool. ladies and gentlemen um Dave Cravens um, I have to give a high five in the studio right now Ooh, because he's that. one of the few people I know who's run a successful Kickstarter oh, oh boy uh yeah actually that's that, <laughs> why no, I'm twice? sorry twice <laughs> yeah, well, uh, oh, well, yeah ghost ghost provokers oh well yeah ghost I forgot you did a Kickstarter for that that's right <laughs> we did
3: so that, that actually that that reminds me to I was I was kind of curious on so you self-published your first one. You self-published this one. Yeah. Did you go into this one knowing that you were going to self-publish right off the bat, or no?
2: I was open um, to. Um, I met actually with a, a
3: number of agents. You did okay, and,
2: and they, yeah. um, you know, I practiced the pitch, and you got you get ninety seconds to you know pitch right. them. We did all these. I forget what it was. it's like speed dating for agents.
4: Sure, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was nice. It nice. was ridiculous,
2: but each agent was very. Um, Interested in it, and one of them gave me the name of the editor that I worked with, uh, named uh, Aviva Layton, and she was she was fantastic. And the more I learned about, you know, she's like, "This is great. This is this is definitely publishable." It's going to be two years before it's out.
3: Oh, geez. Yeah, that's, that's how a, I felt. Why such a Because loop- that's lag? that's the that pace
2: that that industry in, industry okay. moves. Huh. Wow. And that's been one of the biggest eye-opening things for me, wow. is because is, I'm used to games, and mm-hmm. where you know you make decisions now, or <laughs> right. you're losing money on the next day, right? And mm-hmm. um, books are, unless you're a name, crazy. There's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And so, in, in doing all the research uh, as a, as an unknown author, all the crap that I'd have to do for self publishing, I'd oh. have to do with a real publisher or a traditional right, right. publisher. And I'm like, so, well, you know, I might what as well just do it what uh,
3: what kind of experiences have you had? this time around versus last time or on on, on the, the publishing on, on the, aspect? Yeah, on, on, yeah doing the self publishing i mean i'm the, assuming there were a few things that you learned the first time oh that yeah. you you brought forward and R- rule number you know, 1 was it easier this time around or
2: no i, I don't know that it was easier it's just um, uh, different I felt like, yeah it was different okay. um i took i spent a lot more money on like uh, like I did things like concept art. I worked with a, a good friend of mine, oh, okay. Jose Flores, um, who did um, some concept pieces that you can see on my website. Oh, those just are gorgeous, sure. by they, the way. They are. He's a yeah. great artist.
1: Uh, you better tell us what the website is. Hello. Uh,
2: thegodthought.com. Excellent. Thank
1: you. Uh, yeah. You, uh, you're going to keep him in your back pocket for when yeah. you do the graphic novel? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've, I've thought about that. Nice, uh, that would be cool. But yeah. um, well, but for no, any, anybody listening animal, to the podcast, my though, it's youngest would be all
3: over that it. it to, he's he's all about the graphic novels. Oh yeah, yeah. got but
0: good links right on the home page. Yep, in the Character Crusade website to the book. Yep. Uh, a bit of background, places where you can pick it up, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt with awesome. a no, no, little shameless in fact, plug. If you
2: ever need a, a good artist, Jose I mean he's freelance, so he'll you know, he'll work with cool. anybody. but he, he definitely you. gives you a a great a different perspective on mm-hmm. scenes that you're imagining and all that stuff.
4: I um, like his style. is it all digital?
3: He
2: paints digitally, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's done cool. um you know uh I don't know what, he, what we'd call it, oil or or um yeah, oil painting and all that stuff, but he he prefers a digital platform, and okay. it's, it's much easier, you know, for me to work. Oh, with for, sure, for
3: sure, for sure. Just stuff. curious on what his you know, range was. If yeah. He did, you know, regular kind of a medium. What mediums he worked That's right. In. I
2: forget I'm talking to a great artist
3: myself here. Uh, I don't know about great, but <laughs> <laughs> I can Julie, fake my that, way through every now that's and again. The Swiss
1: Miss can. The and diorama. Know, you know, that was that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, it sounds to me like um, the publishing process has maybe changed a little bit. I mean, as far as self publishing goes, there, there's I, a, they're not, do they still print on demand? Yes. Or? Yeah. Okay.
2: They, they can, or they can print as many as, as you All want. Right. Um, they're a lot more. Full service now, okay. Um, and of course, there's the advent of iBooks and Kindle
3: and Nook and all that stuff. Well, that yeah, that leads to another question. Are you are you going to release? I'm, I'm electronically.
2: On, I'm on Kindle right now. Oh, it is. Yeah, oh, awesome. Uh, it's part of their um, KDP Select program where for ninety days you're exclusive on Kindle, and that allows you to be part of their Kindle Unlimited library, so people who are subscribers to that can read okay. your book for free and you know, all that. Actually, cool. I'm kind of curious
3: about that process. I know that stuff a lot. How, how does it get into a Kindle version or, or
2: a, it has, an it has e-book be, version? It I has mean. to
3: be formatted specific to, to okay. that particular so th- thing. Is that kind of on you then to supply?
2: I, I could do it, or I, in this case, I paid for a service because there, the formatting in my book uh, on the transcript side was so intricate that I wanted right. I'd, I'd wanted a pro to, to deal with that, Sure, so that sure that makes sense Well yeah sense. you kind of it, it's I mean, sort it's of It's worth the cost
1: I, Yeah I, I would yeah. think it that breaks up the story maybe a little bit if the transcripts or social media posts are formatted in a strange way yeah. in the book yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean they they need to feel a little bit authentic as yeah. well as read authentic Right, right? Exactly
2: and, and, and be readable you know yeah. some early drafts okay, on, cool.
1: on the publishing side the fonts that were chosen and
2: Yeah it was always and all that's, uh, it, it was it was terrible so <laughs> uh-huh. we, we went back and okay we reformatted it yeah print yeah. font
3: versus electronic font that Yeah, can make a big difference it
2: can and and you mm-hmm. want you know the electronic you know people will change the font well you want it to scale nice time, and yeah and scale and it needs on, to hold up you just up. use comic
1: sans <laughs> <laughs> not everybody has that <laughs> not well, everybody nobody <laughs> should have <that. laughs> i guess i'd never considered that before in in your novel the visual is actually really important when you think about it. You, yeah. you, not only are you kind of trying to portray the fact that something's happening in a Facebook post, but it needs to sort of appear convincing on the page that it came from Facebook. Right. There, there's a visual aspect to something oh, like that.
2: And, and right? at the same time, not have it be so Facebook that they sue you for correct. correct It's You want yeah.
1: it to be just compelling enough... That Zuckerberg reads it, right? right? So, <laughs> yeah. Again, just just to check, just to check and make sure again, that it has, it's not has to feel
0: comfortable. It has to feel yeah. familiar without being. Yeah. Just
1: right. That exactly. Thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you don't want to cross and mm-hmm. kind of go Any for the yeah. lines. Facebook has very specific kerning. You cannot do it the same, or you get sued. <laughs> yeah. You, you laugh. Don't. But that's that's, and, that's they not totally off, do. <laughs> just, they do. <laughs> <just, laughs> oh great! They just updated.
2: Yeah. For yeah. For a game. Uh, We did uh, some fake social media postings in the game as a joke, and Mm -hmm. we had to submit...
1: Uh, oh, geez. Really? Too, wow.
2: too legal just to make sure that— Oh, yeah. I can believe that. —that it was not mm-hmm. so much of this and so much wow. of that. Right. You know, in I the book, I don't that. use any logos or anything like that. That right. shouldn't be an issue, just... but it, it, they take that stuff very seriously. Oh, yeah, they do.
1: Well, Dave, <laughs> thank you for telling us about the book. How can people get a hold of you, find out more about the book, um, all that stuff?
2: Can, uh, go to my website. It's the easiest thing. Uh, Godthought.com. You can contact me directly there. Uh, you can read preview chapters about uh, from the book— Mm-hmm. and get hooked on it hopefully and then you, you can order from there so that is a awesome
1: shop. in our play theory segment we're going to talk a little bit about uh story design in games since dave is here and he knows a lot about this topic <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about Uh, Story design, different ways we can put it together, uh, what the game companies are thinking when they do it, and uh, kind of what constitutes the sort of game that we here at Character Crusade like from a creativity perspective. So stick around for that conversation. Thanks, Dave. Welcome back, listeners. This is our Play Theory segment. We're going to talk a little bit about game story design tonight. Um, and so to start out with, I just what, what brought this topic to mind was not just the fact that Dave was here and, and he might have some interesting things to say about this topic, but uh, when we first launched the website, the very first um, post I put in the blog was kind of about this concept having to do with uh, the things that we can control as a player in Skyrim and trying to use that to measure whether or not, to to use that model to measure whether or not other games, what we could expect from a role play perspective from other types of games. And um, so I've been thinking about this topic a lot. If, If you're interested in looking at that model, it's the very first... Uh, is that the triangle? The blog. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's a simple model I came up with. But what I think about a lot is the idea that there seems to be an interrelationship between the amount of personalization or creative control that you have in a game and the completeness or uh, impact of the primary story um of your character's impact maybe on the story. So one of the things I that that comes to mind is the fact that technically speaking, if you jump into Skyrim and just create a new character and start playing, you've got a bunch of, you know, technically unrelated quest lines. And, and we talk about this all the time uh, about how can I create a character where I can weave together Multiple quest lines that are seemingly unrelated, but make a single character care about all of them and I think we 've right. all sort of determined that it 's impossible for a single character to care about every quest line play. because there 's too many they 're too diverse right. uh, it just doesn 't make sense and technically, unless we 're using something like uh, an uncapper mod, we can only level up to eighty one anyways <laughs> so but uh, so I thought about this this concept right of. Um, if we look at the quests in Skyrim, if, if we create a new character and we start, just pick a quest, start that quest. Technically, when you finish it, your, your character is not coming out at the end any different than they were when they started. Right. Except for, perhaps, skill levels. We're talking about sort of the mechanical aspects mm-hmm. of the game. Technically, in Skyrim... The the quest lines are, are not related in the sense that if I complete one, the other quests know it. So right. and, and we've talked about examples of this before, where I can go and kill Alduin and I can go essentially into what is Nord Heaven, right? I can <laughs> right. ascend to friggin' heaven and I can kill a mythical dragon.
3: And then you walk into your vasker.
1: And then I walk into Yorvaskar and they say, Hail Welp you're you're a whelp you're the new guy you know you don't know jack about yeah. anything right you eat dragon souls but you're a whelp exactly so Loser. right and so but but this is this is the environment right where we have the most control right so we can create our character type and how they look and we can you know very clearly imagine their personality but they're the silent protagonist we never really get to hear their voice we never right. you know get to to experience that and then the the opposite or the the other end of the spectrum is is a game where like Dave was mention, you were mentioning earlier where you're really on rails the story is tightly controlled you're playing a character that's not really yours to design necessarily you are this protagonist that's been decided for you by uh, the, the people who are putting together the story, and you're just following that through. Now, in that scenario, you, you have less control uh, over how the character looks and so forth, but uh, with each act of the story, whatever that character is doing has more and more impact. The story is maybe a bit more engrossing in mm-hmm. that sense. Right, and then we have other things that I would suggest are maybe a happy medium, something like Mass Effect, where we have a certain amount of control. Our character can be male or female. We can change the way they look. We can select our armor through skill selection. We can make them uh, more focused on combat abilities or magic abilities, things like that. But still, the story is is kind of it's on a linear. linear. It's, it's on a linear progression where, as we advance through the acts of the story, we see the impact. Right, right. So I think what's happening a lot uh, in Skyrim, and the and the reason that this podcast exists is that we we have these scenarios where we have a, a great amount of control over our character, and we can develop all this stuff. But what we're really doing is we're we're filling in the gaps between quests, and we're saying, what how, how does all of this matter, right? Mm-hmm. And why? And, right. And, and why? And is there, you know, what are the what are the instances where I can explain why the people in your vasker would call me a whelp and and what are the instances where I just have to suspend disbelief and just kind of ignore that and say that doesn't exist in my story. Whelp is an acronym for something much, much more important. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Whelp, Whelp means... Godlike. Yeah. So every time they say whelp, that's what I'm thinking they're saying, right? So I kind of see this continuum. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels about that. And epic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I I think for some reason, I think about this probably more than I should. But um, it really, I think, gets at the heart of what has for me been the most compelling thing about playing Skyrim is the idea that I have all of this control and I can really kind of visualize a character in my head and actually create that character. Now the, the problem comes in then when I'm trying to, you know, execute <laughs> the narrative that I have in my head and I'm filling in those, those gaps. What I see is the, the gaps between the quest lines and Skyrim are the fertile ground that where I have control and I can do some things to, to forward the narrative that I have going. And so when we talk in this podcast about, you know, creating immersive, you know, kind of characters with depth and all that stuff, we're talking just as much about what we do with those gaps in between quest lines. Maybe it's not just about the character itself. Maybe we set up a scenario or we do a side quest that fits with our story somehow Mm -hmm. to, to sort of further that narrative. What do you guys think about that in terms of? Theory. I mean, Dave. I mean, you—you you probably have have seen the gambit in terms of of story design, right?
2: Oh, sure. And since we're getting into games, I got to give that disclaimer that all these are my opinions—not High Moon's, Activision's, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, you, you touched on a lot of stuff um from the the player's perspective. You know, we see a lot of different kind of games. I would I would describe like Naughty Dog uh their uh, games with um uncharted very yeah. much on rails you know they they're trying very much to uh, broaden that experience for players but you're always going to be Nathan Drake mm-hmm. um and they craft an incredible story based on that but the more freedom that you give to the players the less you can craft that particular story and that's mm. and that's a challenge so you know the the cool thing about Something like Skyrim is that I think it leaves a lot of, you know, as you said, uh, interpretation uh, and and things open for the player, a lot of customization, but then you run into some design situations where they keep calling you fucking whelp. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and oh. it
2: can be annoying. Yeah, and for you know, for me, like I think back to some really old school games like Wizardry. I don't know if you ever played that. Yeah. What? Oh man, <laughs> we we
4: have
1: talked about that in a previous episode, in yeah. fact.
2: <laughs> and um, Joe's uh, week of Wizardry. <laughs> yeah, I I loved that game as a kid, and all it was, you know, was uh, a computer version of your know, pen and paper, really. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it allowed me. As a player, to really envision who these characters were, and even though I'd do the same damn quest over and over and over, I'd come up with these stories for each of my characters, and then when they were powerful enough, I'd uh, have a, like a whole new team of guys, and then the, my super powerful guys would would uh, you know mentor the the other ones, and we level <laughs> them up as, awesome. <laughs> as fast as we could, and and it was just you know the story would rinse and repeat, and I would draw drawings. Of what my characters oh, look like. Oh, that's way cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I think a lot of people did that, and and for you know when you hit the limitation of a game like Welp, mm-hmm. I just I just ignore it honestly mm-hmm. um, because it, uh, I've already constructed the story and the character in my head, and right. for me that's what's true. And the cool thing about today's tech, you know, and you guys are doing it, is you're taking screenshots of your character, and you're creating a tome of their adventures, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and to me that's that's the fiction that lives. It's not the the things that break it. From time that to time. is
1: such an awesome point because, uh, you know, wh- that's another one to put on a T-shirt, Matt. Uh, <laughs> you know, really, it is. It, it's it's our story is the one that matters, right? In in the game, and and I think there there are many instances where I will just simply pretend something didn't happen, you know, and that's all going on oh, in yeah, my head, yeah. right? Um, I, I do that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> As well, don't we all? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, that that's a really interesting point. We all have our, our own truth. And I think that what we're trying to get at here is um, how how far can we stretch our narrative using the tools that we have and how adventurous are we willing to be? I think one of the things that is so great about this game in particular and a lot of Bethesda Games, their model seems to be let's launch a game and then let's launch a creation kit and then let's, you know, let's kind of uh, support the mod community. Um, I, I think that all of that extra content more than breathing life into the game long beyond what it probably deserves. Uh oh, it, sure. it it provides sure. a whole bunch of really kind of amazing tools for doing interesting things. Well, yeah,
3: and it allows people to expand their creativity and, and mm-hmm. create things that they thought the game mm-hmm. maybe should be, as you know, you spoke to earlier, Dave.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You just release a game. It's never yeah. complete. Right. And so, you mm-hmm. know, these the creation kits, you know, Bethesda's model allows you know, their end users to complete their game yeah. however they see fit,
0: and it's not mm-hmm. to complete everybody's game. It's their story. It, oh, it's oh their exactly, story, yeah.
3: their their story. And if you subscribe mm-hmm. to it, great. If not, don't download it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some right, know. but
0: the mix of mods that you use is different than the ones Stu uses. Oh, for sure, and, and that's, for sure. that's what helps create the environment and the story right. that comes out of it.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I'd, I would encourage your your listeners to take it even beyond the game, right? You know, create create that compendium of stories,
4: oh yeah, you know, with, yeah
2: with your character, or you know in, in your cases you've you have uh hundred forty six videos of you know mm-hmm. of the uh, adventure that that your character has gone on, and mm-hmm. you can really and if you know if people love that game and they love their character they can they can take it
1: beyond the page if mm-hmm. you will. And, yeah and
3: that's and, good advice for i mean any game mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so I think um When when you're working on the fiction side of a game, Mm -hmm. you're probably focused. How much time do you spend focused on just sort of the outline of the story? In other words, the progression of the story versus you know things like dialogue and all that stuff. Yeah, it it depends on the on the project.
2: You know, I've had projects where um, story and design are equally important. I've had projects where. Design is much more important, and we just mm-hmm. want to fill the story around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, from my perspective, it's 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 about the game and the experience that you're trying to design, and then the experience for the end user of the player. You know, yeah. um, you want it. You always want it to be fun. Um, you know, with with a game like Skyrim, it's you know their their design is really to have you create the story and create the character and they're just providing mm-hmm. the world Can for you to, to play give you the fame framework yeah mm-hmm. if you will um you know for me it, it's it's always catered to whatever our goal as a studio or as a developer are trying to accomplish and sometimes mm-hmm. that means let's tell a great story and sometimes that means let's make a great third person shooter that feels really good and we'll wrap the story around that right um, so it, it really depends
1: well, I think one of the things that we hear about a lot is, um, oh, you know, so many games now are going to open world environments. I question what the definition of open world really means right. anymore. Um, right. I, I think you you could you could argue, for example, that Assassin's Creed was an open world game, but uh, having having played that and and many of the um, successors right. to that. Uh, You know, it. yeah, maybe it, it is like an open it. world in the sense that you have the ability to decide if you're going to go down the street to the left or the street to the right. <laughs> but in the end, the streets are all pretty much the same, and a lot of the missions are pretty much the same, and you're still playing as Ezio whether you like it or not and that kind of thing. To me, that doesn't feel open world. When I think open world, I think something like Fallout. I think something like Skyrim. But I think the definition of what constitutes open world is changing.
2: Well, I, I would, you know, in your examples, it's the character that's, that's really different. In, in, the, in the Assassin's uh, line, you're, you're playing a specific character. There's no mm-hmm. customization to it. And you're, you're seeing the story through that character's eyes. And there are many routes to explore in that story. But you're always going to be that character with it. something like Skyrim or I think even Grand Theft Auto. Or um uh, something like that, where you're customizing your own character mm-hmm. and creating you know your own uh, avatar for the world i mm-hmm. I would say that'd be uh, one requirement for the hallmark of a of a true open world experience
0: right, right. character creation
1: starting there
2: yeah, yeah, to some degree mm-hmm.
1: right right well i'm I'm really kind of um interested to see the direction that bioware goes with the new. Mass Effect game. Uh, it's it's not the same characters. It's not even the same time frame. I don't think, but it's set in the same world basically. One of the things that was I thought an interesting characteristic about that game was it was different from Assassin's Creed in that I could customize the way my character look looked. I could choose if it was you know this person was male or female. Uh, the last name was always going to be Shepherd because it's always Shepherd. Mm-hmm. But I could choose the first name, and I could choose Gear, and I could choose a, a number of different things. And to me, I, I loved that level of character customization. But then when I thought about the story, the story was very much on rails, mm. where uh, it you know. It had the sense of of being an open-world game, but it really wasn't. You were traveling from planet to planet, but once you landed on that planet, you had a choice of one or two places on that planet you could land, and once you landed there, you were inside of a box, and you were moving inside that box, and when the mission was done, you got back on your ship, and the ship insulated you from anything else until you hit the next box, right? So... um, so you,
2: know, you, you wouldn't call that an open world.
1: I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. And I wonder yeah. if, you,
2: if you just tapped into the second part of a definition of it, right? So you have Maybe. character customization mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps a, a more open world and choice, and you're not—you don't feel like you're railed into a story.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that that brings up the, this point, right? Of of Creating the illusion of choice where maybe there isn't choice. Right. Um, as there, a game designer, how does there, that? Work? There rarely is. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think mean, you, you can argue. I mean, even in a game like Skyrim, yeah. I mean, I can decide where I'm going go to go and when. In, but as right, soon as yeah, I get right. engaged in a quest, I have to follow the steps. Well, right? There's so. that,
2: and then there's you know, defeating the enemy. There's mm-hmm. probably only X amount of ways you can defeat mm-hmm. you know a particular enemy. So. You dialed into it, I, I think very much with the creating the illusion of choice, and that's that's what good game design, in my opinion, does.
4: Mm-hmm. Is
2: that you you feel that you have options, you know, if that's the experience the designers after, mm-hmm. and that you can beat this particular level or this particular yeah. boss different ways that cater to your style as a player mm-hmm. or to your tastes as a as a player. Yeah.
1: It's kind of interesting when I think about, um, you know, some of the levels I remember from Mass Effect and some of the experiences I had playing Halo and things like that. It's like, man, I'm in this massive jungle, but goddamn, if I don't always end up in a gully that I can't <laughs> climb the sides. Everywhere I go, I'm in a gully, you know, or no, I know I'm in the city, but I'm in an alley and I can't climb these but walls. I'm in a gully. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. You know, it's kind of funny. You're being, you know, you're being funneled, of course, to whatever that final objective. is but hopefully you're having so much fun along the way that you're not even caring about that I like the illusion of
0: choice piece Mm -hmm. Uh, that comes into play in a lot of Mm -hmm. parts in our life in general but building that as part of the story and understanding that that's happening Mm -hmm. is really central to I think that conflict that you know is coming Right. Uh, it sort of helps to prepare you don't Mm -hmm. have to expand your entire understanding of the world to everything it it necessarily narrows in order for you to focus on what that
2: and, and And that's the amazing thing about games right is that that the inner activity provides that you think about all the other medium media that you consume movies, books, whatever it's a very finely crafted well hopefully finely crafted experience mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. is is taking you through a journey um but games uh, you know people want that control and they want to feel that freedom even though it, it's it's one hundred percent an illusion.
0: But like Joe said, you're providing a framework. Yeah. You're, you're providing an environment for people to exist in. Right. Even if there has to be a boundary to it, it yeah. doesn't have to feel like mm-hmm. you're looking at the boundary.
2: Yeah, and, right. and we need boundaries, right? You know, what, what's a game without rules? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's meaningless. You want, right. you want some kind of upper boundary to pr- present the challenge, right. to feel a challenge, and then you want to feel powerful or cool when you meet that challenge. Well, mm-hmm. life has rules. So, yeah. I mean, it, does. it would, it would be silly
3: not to have... Rules in a game,
2: exactly. And again, that, that goes back to my my book, right? And if you mm-hmm. if you can do anything and everything, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Good point. Uh, so uh, that's cheat mode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> called God mode, right? That's yeah. called God mode. Yeah. Um, well, I I mean, I guess in in your experience, what what sorts of um, where do you feel like the games that that you've worked on fall in that in that spectrum? Would oh, uh,
2: yeah, I, I can't get too specific, but I I, I feel mm-hmm. like I've, I've worked on a, a broad sp- spectrum mm-hmm. of them, you know? Right. That, again, it's, it's all about the experience that you're trying to design as a
1: team. Right. You
2: know, I'm, I'm a story guy. Yeah. If I were to had a, a, a project, I would, I would have a story heavy game, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily always pertinent to the product that we're designing. Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day if if you're making games it's all about the game and and, and is a lot of story going to help that game is story important at all about that game you know Mm -hmm. Pong is a great game Absolutely no story to it.
4: Right. Well, there's a big story oh, wow.
2: behind. That's Pong. not okay, how right. I played it. I, I role played Pong. Yeah, one hundred percent.
3: to me both. This character that was, you know, coming up through the ranks in his yeah. tennis career. That's true. My and paddle if loses his game. Everyone dies. My
4: paddle was evil. Uh, yeah. I, I was always you no. Know, you're right. You, could, <laughs> you can
2: imprint whatever story you want on Pong. So yeah, in that case, they left it up to the player <laughs>
3: to create that story. It
2: required I, a lot of <laughs> finesse. Would you say
1: Pong was open world? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, th- I think it was pretty specific. No. I, think, yeah. I
1: couldn't really make yeah, a house no. for my paddle or anything, so I guess not. <laughs> yeah. I
3: could really customize not. my paddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's p- not true. You could make it short or long.
1: Well, that's only true. by playing with the, the game, flip though. of a switch. You could say short paddle or long paddle. Oh, that's true. The console Agreed. I had. Now remember, yeah. the console <laughs> I had had wood grain <laughs> stickers on it. So yeah. that's no, pretty old too. stuff. Deep that's Pretty old tech.
3: And there were no buttons. There were levers.
1: Yeah. Oh, my You had to play what? squash you mode like now. Didn't, you didn't use a, uh, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? A dial well, on the thing? Oh, well, there was a, a, a dial,
3: but there were also levers in case you wanted
1: to play squash oh, or if right. you wanted no. to. Play, yeah. that's right. Oh, right Yeah. You'd flip the little lever for paddle size. What was and great game is type. we could play
3: it on our black and white TV and yeah. it would still look vibrant <laughs> kick ass. Yeah.
1: It looked just vibrant. as good uh, on black and white as it did <laughs> on color. Wow.
3: After you switch the tape. TV channel to three. Right.
0: Did you, yep. have, a, did you right. have a sepia yep. mode, too? Oh.
1: <laughs> and then that frickin' 2600 came along and ruined it all with color. Bastards. Uh, man. With Mega Mania. And Yard. Uh, with them and their uh, fancy touch-tone the
4: phones. <laughs>
2: oh.
1: Oh, <laughs> and Dave. their ET
2: games. No ET video game? Uh, Aren't uh, like for a, what? Is the, there like a landfill of ET video games? Yeah,
1: well, I, I, so I think that there's... Uh, the legend has it that legend? the, e, the <laughs> ET video game was the worst video game ever made, but that wasn't made for 2600, was it? I thought it was. Yeah, what was, was that it made not? for? Yes, well, was it? Was it? And by
0: the way, the same guy who designed Yars' Revenge designed ET.
2: No kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: And if you look at it, interestingly, ET was designed as a cube. Right, so you can navigate around, sort of, in what is essentially a three D space. If you look at the way that Ooh. ET works, so it was wow. open world in a way, in a box. It was it was literally its own box. Yeah. But it, from from a from a planer perspective, though, it wasn't moving along like uh, Pitfall or something like that. You actually, when you mm-hmm. went to the next screen, it wasn't just um, moving this way. It literally turned. It, the intent was is that it was supposed to turn. Sort of the space that you're in.
1: Wow! So it was well, all yeah. contained.
3: Dude, did you did you just bring up Pitfall? I totally. <laughs> did. Yeah.
1: Well, you know I what? Did. It's kind of funny because when you think about it, <laughs> I, what used to really bug me the most about the twenty six hundred when we first got it, I thought it was amazing. Right? It was a obviously if I was playing oh, Pong before that, I didn't have. Uh, <laughs> I had a pretty low bar to cross, right? <laughs> right.
2: But you, you thought Pong was amazing, and you know it.
1: I did. Well, I was role-playing it. Yeah. Of course, I thought it was amazing. I invested a lot of time. I wrote a, the detailed background on my paddle. Were you the but, protagonist? Uh, or? What I, I think what bothered me the most about the 2600 games is they didn't have any freaking end. I mean, really. like It was like, if, if I played Berserk, it was just... One board after the next until I freaking died. In the same with Pac-Man, and then I I bought a space game right that's, where that's I could, how life like dogfight, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was just one freaking dogfight after the next. It's like okay, every single game I have here, I just play and play and play the same thing over <coughs> and over and over until I die. And so, uh, what I can expect from this console is that. Every game I play on it is just going to get progressively faster until I screw up <laughs> and, much, you know, That is pretty much exactly yeah. so likewise. i mean yeah. even yeah. even at you know even at thirteen or whatever, I was still demanding more from my games than they were delivering so <laughs> I, either that or you were expecting too much yeah well, you know <laughs> that that's probably it so because <laughs> i ha- I have
0: this thought in my head that the folks who were building the Atari yeah. games at that time. Probably had some idea that they could make it more challenging, but either the mm-hmm. tech couldn't keep up with it or people weren't ready for that yet. I mean, yeah. I remember I we spent so many hours in front of that thing <laughs> that my grandfather, <laughs> yes. bless him, drew a picture of my older brother. Really? With, I mean, with what he called what was it the um, oh. the glazed eyes. Well, it was some something <laughs> in the because the the bad bad guy in Yars' Revenge was the Quotile, right? You might remember that, the bad guy in in the Yars' Revenge thing. Um, It was the Atari Squint and the <laughs> quotile thumb, and he drew this little sketch of my wow. older brother just, a th-
4: <laughs>
0: and it wasn't wrong. It was like my there's my brother, and I can see myself in that too. But I mean, if if that thing had player hours like Steam yeah. does, I'm pretty sure that it would say go out and play, outside, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. like I mentioned a couple episodes, you can't episodes, see the
3: screen as well because the sun's too bright. It is really hard.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, you can't adjust the rabbit ears through the glass.
1: Well, I. I loved my twenty six hundred and and even you know back then, I remember um you know trying to create a more interesting experience with this this space dog fighting game I had. I can't even remember what it's called. I'd slap in the cartridge and then Sit in an easy chair. I'd move the easy chair in front of the TV, and I'd sit directly in front of the easy chair. And then I would actually mount the joystick on the on the arm of the chair, so I felt well, like I was, it, was, like it I was in a fighter. Wow. Star Raiders. That is what it was.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that on the fifty two hundred, and that yeah. was just awesome. You had a 52- yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, my cousin did. We didn't well, have Dick for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a video game. I'm kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of with you, Dave. So. Basically, yeah. the we had pong,
3: and then uh, it was well. Go we had, to we the had computers when
2: I hit the
0: seventh grade, but we didn't have any consoles. 136 games for the 2600. Man. Wow! And I now you, now you can yeah. buy it
2: for 20 bucks from Target, and it's got all uh, of
0: them on it, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Yep. We had a, I think just a handful of games, but it was some of the classics, you know, Defender and Centipede and Frogger. In uh, Pac Man, and it was—it's kind of ironic because we—we uh, we put that console away, and uh, I didn't see it for years. And then when I went off to college, I dug the thing out. I found it. And I'm like, I'm bringing this with me, man. <laughs> and I—I I brought it to college, and I, I just remember, you know, uh, my roommates like late nights. My roommates after they'd had way too many beers. You know, one of my roommates would lay on the couch and he'd play Pac-Man upside down on the 2600. <laughs> so he'd he lay so that his head was dangling off the side of the couch and he'd play Pac-Man on the 2600 upside down drunk.
3: Oh, that makes uh, me hurt just thinking about it. You know,
1: Well, that, that's, that's really, um, I think, what you had to do with the 2600 <laughs> to increase the difficulty <laughs> is first you get drunk and then you play it upside down. And then in and the mirror. <laughs> yeah, maybe in a mirror. <laughs> also
3: a metaphor for life.
4: Uh, yeah, I guess so.
3: I'm gonna guess one or two. I've got two leading candidates for that.
1: Oh, do you? As far as the person who did that, yes, the yes, roommates. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you knew who my roommates. We were. Probably yes, shouldn't use real names in this. So, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna start
3: with a D or a T. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you got to write the second one so <laughs> <laughs>
3: right on but yeah
1: he he was a champion at, at upside down drunken Pac-Man so that actually sounds it's like some a, sort of and, it's so and much more funny right because now. I know yeah. who it is what's, what's he doing Hunter's now zone, just out of curiosity uh, you know he's uh, you know I'm not sure CEO somewhere <laughs> I haven't somewhere. seen him in a couple of years but yeah he's probably a CEO by now as far as I know or but uh, parking attendant it could be <laughs> Really, or, or he could be a world-famous gamer at this point. We just
2: could, don't know could, it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe. Possible. Maybe. It's or you would I actually it. could, could probably
3: chime in on gamer. this because I actually have him on Facebook, but I won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's protect the innocent. We'll protect we'll, the innocent. He's mostly innocent.
3: He can contact us and set yes, the record straight.
1: Exactly. He can call in. He can call in to our 1-800 number, right, Matt? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes, which we'll be publishing on the website. <laughs> Later, <laughs> which is apparently five five eight, five uh, eight hundred. Our eight
3: hundred number starts out five five five. <laughs>
0: <Nope>. <laughs> one two one two. Yes. Call one eight hundred the
1: king. So twenty six hundred relates to story in how uh, it doesn't. We got on well, a tangent there, but yeah, it was a little bit. They don't, they don't have it. No, no. It,
2: it was all about what kind of game you're designing. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat>
1: And God, we know I'm saying that a lot, all that stuff. We've established, stuff, we've established that, that you're not <laughs> that you're not designing for the twenty six hundred. Exactly. Now that was, that was that bef- was yes.
2: much earlier than my yes. career. Uh huh.
1: Well, but I guess, I, but I miss it. I think um, when I when I think about Skyrim as an example, one of the things that that I've I've done is I've gone through the process of actually creating my own quest in skyrim using the creation kit so actually building my own quest mod and when you actually look how that process is set up inside the tool it's you know really kind of a just you know it's it's very focused on this sort of um you know nested set of dialogue options and stuff like that, right? To to me, it's what what you're doing is, you know, you're creating this flow chart that basically says, you know, here's where the dialogue starts. Uh, quest giver says yada yada yada, and player responds by picking one of two choices. If they pick choice one, then the dialogue tree is this. If they pick choice two, then the dialogue tree is that. Um, I would imagine in a in a game that's more Story heavy, um,
3: that could get complicated fast.
1: Well, though. well, you're in that in that instance though. You're not you're not talking about choice in the same sense, are you?
2: No, I think you're talking about moments and, mm-hmm. and pillars. You know, if you're designing a a game that is story heavy,
4: mm-hmm.
2: that's not the right word. But if, you know, if you want to create a very impactful mm-hmm. story, uh, even without the story. Think about your your pillars and and what are the moments that people are going to talk about the next day, right? Mm -hmm. When you experience X, Y, or Z, like, holy shit, I can't believe, you know, when this happened. And Mm -hmm. in in your flow chart, you've got uh, maybe three acts to your story, if you will. And what's the defining moment for this? And what's the defining moment for that? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I would start with that. Mm -hmm. What are your big moments and how does how do these change your characters what are the challenges that they need to overcome and and then you start filling in uh, right the the details after yeah. that but always start with your yeah. your big big things
1: i think i think in a story that has that sort of impact when i when i think of a story a game that's like really story intensive i think of a game like the last of us yes right Where we're talking about you know zombie apocalypse and um, you know two individuals who are sort of an unlikely pair trying to make their way through this hostile environment and all the interactions that happen between them and stuff. I think about that being really uh, kind of a story-intensive kind of thing. So when I'm when I'm thinking about story-heavy, that's the sort of story I'm thinking of. Yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah, Naughty Dog they do a a great job with. um developing that kind of experience and the but again i would argue though that you're on you're on rails to a degree mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have any character obviously character creation right. that you're, you're playing these very specific roles who mm-hmm. uh, were enacted um brilliantly by um some great vo actors troy baker being one of them
4: mm-hmm.
2: um how they approach that i i don't know i i could i mean i could only talk about how i would approach it Mm -hmm. and again it would be um the major moments uh for me the opening is a is a great uh moment powerful you're not exactly sure what's happening as a player or as even a character Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mystery um I, i i think they developed that so well um But for me, like, if I were approaching it, I would start with, okay, what are those major moments? And that opening scene would actually – would be one of them. Right. Where do I want this to go? You know, how is it going to end? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, working with designers to – what. Uh, what kind of gameplay are you going to have yeah. in between
1: that I think the beauty of that level of control is that so much of a good story is is kind of progressing from one conflict <laughs> to the next conflict yeah. and with each conflict there's a heightened sense of danger and a heightened sense uh that uh the the outcome is, is even more important than the previous conflict was yeah. right and i think that's what we're missing in a game like Skyrim and what we're trying to make up for. So when I say that uh, the space between quests is fertile ground, that's what I'm talking about. For conflict, for like conflict progression? Yeah, so when I think about a game like Skyrim, uh, we, we've talked several times on this podcast about how your your ability to kind of craft this sort of sophisticated narrative in Skyrim is completely dependent on you already understanding the content. Mm-hmm. So presumably you've already played through most of that content before and you can kind of think in your mind of how the pieces fit together and your objective is to experience it in a different way. So when when you're thinking about what your next move is or or what your next playthrough is going to be like, you're crafting not only a character that you'd like to play, but you're thinking about that character in the context of a narrative that chains together some of the larger quest lines in in, in a way so that in the resting periods between those quest lines, you can create your own enhanced conflict through some mechanism of your own. And And so <coughs> when I was putting together the let's play, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, okay... So, if Fleet gets to a point where he completes the Dark Brotherhood quest line, and now suddenly he's the leader of that group, what what can I do after that quest is finished to to amp up the conflict, to create the next scenario in such a way that uh, we're we're upping the ante again, you know, and 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 continuing to to push the story forward and for me act four was about that and I had very specific plans for how I was going to do that but I, I think that's <laughs> one of the challenges we have as as players in Skyrim trying to go through this content in different ways is figuring out what's the framework we can create for ourselves that lets us use that fertile space in between quests well I think that was a big right.
3: I think that was a big part of the uh, appeal to a lot of people on that video series <clears throat> excuse me um Was wasn't watching you play fleet through uh, the assassins quest line or any of the other quest line. It was really about how did you play the spaces between the quests. Mm -hmm. You know, the other characters you brought in, right, uh, and how the relationships you built. You know, Mm -hmm. during that time. Uh, So yeah, I mean. That's a big part of the draw, I think. On that that video, it's it's what I enjoyed was, mm-hmm. you know, bringing all that empty space, if you will, and filling it with something really interesting and unique. Yeah, because the the I mean the storylines and the quest lines they are what they are, you know. And what fills in the void?
2: It, yeah, is it the context that you changed with uh, regarding the 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 quest lines? So like mm-hmm. you're you're filling up in the space between, as you described, <clears throat> with characters and relationships. Yeah. But when you went to go on a quest, when you took that next step, yeah. did you change the context of what it what that meant for your character and the stakes of it? You know, whereas one character might, you mm-hmm. know, maybe they don't – they want to fail at that quest because would, it would mean something different or, or mm-hmm. benefit them in some – Different way, but is is that is that what you're describing? Or yeah, I think so in part. Yeah.
1: In part,
3: from the outside looking in, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of what what came across mm-hmm. uh, more often than not was the reasons, the reasoning, really, right? To so to, you, to you were changing the context of the quest itself.
1: Yeah in in some ways, yeah. I, I was. Yeah, now I I kind of uh. I complicated the context of that quest line by engineering my own scenario inside it. So mm-hmm. typically what would happen is a character would progress through that storyline and at the end they would become the listener who is the leader of this assassin group, right mm-hmm. but i I started by I started uh, early on by creating or manufacturing sort of an antagonistic relationship between my own character and the leader of that group. Right. And I used I used that antagonism as the basis for explaining some other things that were going on by default in the game. And and sort of explaining that, you know, kind of reasoning that those bad things that were happening to Fleet were engineered by this other person who was a rival. That's that's part of it. And that was a subtle thing that was sort of ongoing. The other thing that I did, of course, as we progressed through that, was sort of reveal this, this ongoing and building situation with the realization that uh, the protagonist in the story was actually a multiple personality. So then we had this inner conflict going on between... One character who was very invested in this group of assassins and another who was not. And so what that did is it it, it created this boiling conflict inside himself, but it also provided me with a mechanism to do other interesting things that gummed up the process. Mm -hmm. And I think my... My objective, having gotten through that quest, was not to say that, okay, I'm the listener and now I'm moving on to the next thing, but I wanted to make the reason that I was moving on to the next thing uh, have to do with the quest that I had just finished. In, in Skyrim, it's kind of like, you know, you, you finish a quest and it's sort of this, this capsule, you know? You finish it and it's done and you move to the next capsule. What I wanted to do is engineer a scenario for the viewers where there would be some unexpected occurrence that would happen at the end of that that would drive everything going into Act 4. Well, um, and I
3: think that's so, you know, and, and what you did successfully, in my opinion, was, it was you, you pulled together seemingly unrelated quest lines within the game mechanic itself. Yeah. Uh, through those intermediary interactions right, and, right. and, you know, NPCs and all that good stuff. Yeah. And so, to some
1: degree, yeah. I could do this, right? Because I, I wasn't operating in the same way that a no, person, no, no, no. person yeah. you would were, if they are just playing the game. You were playing
3: the game to play the game. You were playing the game to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, your your medium was and, and, yeah. and drive was much different than...
1: I was putting on a show. Right. And, and it was kind of like... Oh, you know, maybe
3: Wise would spend, yeah. you know, 20, 25, 30 hours of production <laughs> like, time or post production just yeah. to piece I, yeah. it all together.
1: I was always thinking about that. You know, I would lay awake at night thinking, I need my protagonist to do this thing because it supports my long range goals for the story. But how can I use what's available to me in the game to do it? And so I might identify some obscure side quest that fit the bill. And then I would think to myself, oh, I could really blow people's mind if I folded in aspects of the side quest and had that be the thing that drives him to do what I need him to do for the long range story. Right. But that was me, you know, putting on a show for people right. who didn't know what was coming. <laughs> right. As think, a, Yeah. Yeah. As a player, just sitting game. back playing the yeah. game for my own personal enjoyment, ninety um, percent of that crap is going on inside my head, and I'm thinking of mods and what mm, quest line right. kind of makes sense. But not, based right. on at what that I'm point, you're do. not
0: thinking about the game; you're only thinking about the story.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. just
0: a mechanism. The problem is, is, yeah. is that I think when you are at a level where I am, it isn't about thinking about the story in the same way. It's, yeah, it's about understanding how do you even get through this thing. Yeah. Right yeah. so there's yeah. some advantage to understanding that there are some rails there you, yeah, you that's took true. the rails and you know you you bent them into the there is no spoon sort of a situation and you know it made it completely in your own
1: Well I had the luxury of doing that right. because I I understood what all those things were cuz I had played through Most of the content, and I (laughs) sort of knew (laughs) what was going on, right? Whereas in your case, it's kind of like, how the hell do I just how do how the hell do I smith up this armor? How do I? God damn it! I I can't. What's the mechanic for this? You know, like (laughs) you know, you got to get past that first. Leather straps. You have to have all the ingots. You got to have right.
0: When that's what you're living with, it's very different. But
1: we're preaching to the choir here because the people who listen to this podcast tend to be people who want to play through the content multiple times and have different adventures every time they do it. Right.
2: I was going to say you, you needed those assless chaps,
3: <laughs> the David Lee Roth
1: assless chaps. Oh, God, those are sweet. <laughs> I think
3: I think there's a place you can go get that mod. <laughs> Why?
1: Why is it that David Lee Roth keeps coming up in our in our podcast? This is the second podcast. Diamond yeah. well, David honestly, Lee Roth a special in time in your life. He's, he's a sexy really beast. Was. I mean, well, older, yeah, young. What? How can be. you deny that? He used to be. Yeah. Oh, I he still He's is. He's still got it. He's still got it. He's still got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. He's a paramedic now. Did you know that? Ed,
3: <laughs> Eddie wishes he was half the Roth. He should team up with Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, he was some
2: sheriff somewhere. Yeah. Or deputy, yeah. I don't know.
3: David Lee Roth nice. could
2: take I'd, I'd watch that show. Seagal and David Lee Roth. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Up. <laughs> 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 like the I don't even
4: know how to react to that. <laughs> we've, got no Hutch, to react.
3: Right?
0: we've got Starsky and Hutch. No one knows how to react. We've got Starsky and Hutch. Now we've got uh, r- Roth and Seagal. What kind oh, of a car <laughs> are they using in Roth and
2: Seagal? Oh, it's got to be some beat-up. Pickup truck or something. Uh, uh, then
0: we're, then boy, we're
4: sort of turning into the no, fall right. guy,
1: you're right? A little Texas Ranger, maybe. Oh wow, get a rusty Trans Am. There we go. I don't know. I don't know. Fort, I don't know. Fort what, Falcon. You know? It, but it, it would have a to be—it would have to be like the Trans Am with the eagle on the hood. Oh, t-top—the oh, oh, t-top, to be. Yeah. The t-top the with the eagle, eagle on the hood. Black t-top
3: with the gold yeah. is this, eagle. Is this going to be set 20. in the seventies? Because you know, no, totally this is modern day. This is modern day. With two characters that's, that are set uh, in the seventies—that's the right. twist.
0: Yeah, the characters it's, who think that they're still in the seventies. In 70s. 70s. Exactly. I love it. Love it.
3: They well, still watch reruns of The group Files. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: <laughs> Did I you watch
3: Quincy last night?
2: <laughs> it
0: was so good. Long before Hill Street Blues and the A-Team, we have God. Roth. Roth. Do you and remember
1: when Hill Street Blues used to be considered gritty? Man, yeah. you, you go back and look at it now, and it's like, really? You know, con- compared to what's on TV now... That is attenuation to the
0: media.
3: Uh, that's okay. Wait, my wait. Uh, my wife's parents wouldn't let her watch MOD, so
1: there you <laughs> oh, go. <geez. laughs> well, she was pretty abrasive. That MOD,
0: but she was allowed to watch Golden Girls.
1: She's edgy. <laughs> oh.
0: Maud.
1: Well, and then there's Maud. Yeah. Much. God, I forgot about that one. <laughs> oh my word. Uh, B.
2: Arthur, right? And that was her. Uh, sad that I. Yeah yeah yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Right that was pre golden girls right that was like yeah, back when she
0: was young Sassy that was M- like star wars Sassy christmas, B. B. christmas
2: special B. arthur <laughs> and star
1: wars christmas special and <laughs> i the don't same remember that she, <laughs> she sang on that are you kidding no that oh, special was horrifying i thought i remembered For every so second many of that reasons.
2: no she was,
4: was on was she there.
1: the wookiee <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> why i didn't recognize her
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> Chewbacca I, I sings Christmas carols. I 100% have to
0: that was her singing. I never oh, knew that the Star Wars Christmas special existed until it's, I was shown it a few years ago. Oh, and yeah. I, it, it was like an hour and a half of my life I'll never get back. It but was that long? Oh. Like I, I yeah, it just it. didn't stop.
3: It
1: just oh, it, oh. Was, <laughs> it just kept going. It
3: was so oh. bad.
1: Well, excellent. Um, any other <laughs> tangents we can go off. On? I, I think oh, this I've, has I've been a play. terrific discussion and uh, sh- I would I would the like show notes to uh, for this are gonna be crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. This is okay. First of all, um I am going to do uh, the audio production for this episode. We are still going to release as scheduled on Friday. But there's a good chance we won't have any video or show notes by Friday. <laughs> well, at least so, I don't have to worry about mods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mods. Yeah, mods. You know, you <laughs> the, mods. <laughs> the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, there's got to be a link to it on YouTube. You know, we'll yeah. look up mod and we'll look up Star Wars special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, geez. Be Arthur all these Beck. deep references that yeah. our younger viewers won't understand. Yeah,
3: there's like 10% like, of the people yeah. are going to get them.
1: If they don't understand it,
2: then they should learn. <laughs>
1: well, well,
3: that's a good point.
1: Yeah. We're, we're talking... It about, is available on YouTube. We are talking oh. about high culture here. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. high I
4: art. Mean, there's a new Star Wars movie
2: coming out this Christmas. For Pete's sake, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I'm yeah, optimistically me too. talk about doing. Is it right. Is Peter Arthur in it? Doing right? No,
4: a <laughs> <laughs> ghost. Maybe I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic on it. Uh, All the trailers look
2: pretty good. Yeah, yeah they do. No, I mm-hmm. like uh, the, the J. J. Abrams. I'm, I'm a big fan.
3: Yeah, so he, he does some do pretty good right. stuff. They'll yeah, I right. like Yeah, yeah. You heard it here.
1: Well, we'll I'm hoping right. they do it right, <laughs> and I'm hoping they don't screw up the X Files too. I just wish I had. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, does, when does that come back? They have four episodes or something. Yeah, they're they're going to bring back the X Files, and I'm hoping they don't mess that up. I like the idea. I like the idea of doing something in the Star Wars universe that's about different characters, right? You yeah. know, yeah. to me, that's like a good way to bring back something. Um, I'm I'm sort of concerned that like X Files is going to be, oh, you know, eh. let's bring bring back the old characters and.
2: Did you ever see the? Um, they did two movies. One was the the harbinger of the end of. Mm terrible series yeah
1: i saw whichever was the giant spaceship <laughs> okay. ascending. so that was the first the one they actually
2: did okay. a second movie okay. which was much more in tune i think with the the roots of the show which was pretty good mm-hmm. um so if they do something more like that i mm-hmm. think for the tv show it'll be it'll be it'll be good well here's to hoping right here's to maybe hoping. the
0: intent is not to reach out to us reach a different audience with the same story <laughs>
1: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they don't give a crap about us. Huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to use I our. I care about you, Joe. We're going to use Thanks, our Steve. monumental influence uh, on this podcast <laughs> to scuttle the whole thing. <laughs> we're going to have JJ uh, on here in a future uh, episode, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Give us a call, Mr. Abrams. We'd yes. be happy to have you on. Yeah, we'll all be posting your, that um, number on the website later, right? 555 yep. five, five, mm-hmm. whatever five, that is. One, five, two,
2: five. One, two. All yes. your. Reviews that you're going to get are going to be about Star Wars Christmas special.
1: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and,
2: and lens flares. And lens oh.
0: flares.
3: Oh, God. You're, you're, really you're probably there, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And they're going to ask when in the Skyrim podcast are we going to talk about Skyrim. (laughs) Well, we've talked about Skyrim, I'd say, at least
1: 15% of the time. I agree. So that's a pretty good ratio. There's a lot
0: of social context around the construction of characters that doesn't necessarily come just from Skyrim.
1: That is absolutely true. Well, dear listener, we have come to the end of another episode. We'd like to thank fans of the show for your faithful support and continued encouragement. Your enthusiasm is the lifeblood of this podcast, and whether your support comes through Patreon with dollars or through iTunes with reviews or through recommendations to friends and family, we appreciate it all. You can contact us through the website at charactercrusade.com. And until next time, remember, it is not about the objective. It's about the journey. So go forth and experience.
5: You have one old message. Character Crusade is a proud member of the N4GTV and Maker Studios Partner Network. N4GTV partners have access to exclusive production assets that are second to none and maintain full creative control over their channels. That's you, and that's me, and that's these Crusaders. Partner benefits include 24x7 customer support, SEO... What's SEO? A dedicated graphics team. I love me some graphics. A catalog of more than 400,000 licensed music and sound effects and more. Learn more. Learn more at n4gtv.com. And tell them Jimmy sent you. End of messages.
1: Thanks for coming in. We wanted to have you do a sponsor read for us. Would you mind doing that? No,
5: that would be fine. We'll, hang, uh, hang on for a minute here. Yeah,
1: you got to talk in the other end? It, this end? No, the other oh, that, end. The right there. there. Is that yeah. better? Yeah, I can, we can hear you real good. This is weird. Um, Joe, do you have the copy? Yep.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Here.
1: That's, so that's uh, just read that first paragraph. That's kind of the, it's a thank you message, right? The um, talk in right here. Yeah, talk into the microphone. It's...
4: <clears throat>
5: All right. <clears throat> We're supported by you, the fans of Couch Warrior TV and Character Crusade. Whether contributing to our Patreon campaign or simply helping us spread the word, none of this would be possible without your support. Go to patron.charactercrusade.com. To learn about the benefits of supporting the crusade with a recurring donation, and help keep the crusade rolling.
1: Wow, that was great.
5: Is that all? Cause like I'm double parked outside.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go, the guys I'm have sorry. been keeping the
5: engine running.
1: Well, I thank you for coming in and taking the time. We really appreciate it. I mean, my pleasure. I'm gonna
5: stop by whenever I want to.
1: Okay. Well, you know, it's it's good to have a super fan in the neighborhood. So feel I'm free. Not always in know? the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs>
5: but thank you, Character Crusade yes. guys.
1: Hey, you know, don't let us keep you any longer. I'm, I'm sorry, out of but here. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye.